Well, hi there, everybody. Sorry to interrupt your other podcasts that you're listening to, but a little uh, fun announcement to make here. Casey, in summertime, we'd like to get up to some antics. And those antics would involve getting a bunch of nerds together and doing what nerds do best, yelling at each other. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So we are going to do Nerd Debate live this year. <gasps> Nerd Debate 5 live. There we in go. Person. Boom. That yes. is the subtitle. We just came up with it. We will be doing this at the amazing Bullfinch Brew Pub here in Syracuse, New York. So find all the information that you need at our social media or at nightshiftradio.com. We've drank Bullfinch's beer before. Dave, the brewmaster at Bullfinch, makes amazing beers. Check out the amazing stuff that's happening in Bullfinch. You can go to bullfinchbrewpub.com. Come join us on Saturday, July the 29th at 730 and be sure to be ready to listen to a bunch of nerds <laughs> argue with each other. Yeah. All right, we're going to leave your podcast now. Goodbye. <laughs>
Oh, my God. He's got a lot of credits, too. Uh, Casey, you know what else is adorable? What? The Velociraptor. Nope. Nope. They're not. No? Nope. They're not. But this movie's adorable. No. You know who is actually adorable? It's the Mama T-Rex. The the T-Rex that we meet. She's she's just adorable. (laughs) (laughs) Not for most of the movie. (laughs) (laughs) There's a couple shots in that that first scene where you're... uh, Not the first scene, but the the scene at the... um, T-Rex paddock, mm-hmm. where just the angle they shoot her, I'm like, nah, adorable. <laughs> yeah. You would kill me so quickly, but so, you are adorable. So uh, quickly. I don't think it was. He's not listed. I, well, you know what? Someone out in uh, TSPHC land, let us know if that's true. Let's let's move on to a, a much better movie okay. for my childhood. Sure. Yeah, uh, so this no. movie... Yeah, uh, so it is. You know, in your constant scorn of me going to Wikipedia, oh boy. Condor Man mm. music by Henry Mancini. Condor Man. <laughs> All right. So, but Jurassic Park is the movie we're here to talk about tonight. A far, far better movie. Than oh Condor yeah. Man. I mean, <laughs> I mean, hello. Yeah. And to be fair, so you are wearing your Jurassic Park tee. And to be fair. And your ET hat, you Spielberg nerd. Uh, you have had, uh, you've had that shirt. I, I think as Ooh. long as I remember, can sure. as long as I've known you, you've had a Jurassic Park shirt. Yeah, because Jurassic Park is awesome. Yeah, I was I, talking with uh, Colin about the fact that I've chosen two Spielberg movies. I'm like, I don't want to seem like some sort of Spielberg nerd, just like you said. And he goes, Well, you were born in the '80s, so yeah. it's kind of inevitable. Yeah, you are. That's uh, fair. That's you fair. are his people. That is correct. I God, I love him so much. Okay, uh, so before we do anything else, because I feel like we're going to be like yep. nerding out about this movie, uh, since we are. Guys with beers talking about movies with capes. What are we Can we have a dinosaur roar and then like, now, see if this was a, a if we had a video if, for this, sure. I would put it on a, a, like the, the T-Rex going, and underneath I would say, what are we drinking? <laughs> What are we drinking? So a little bit, a uh, little bit off the beaten path this week in terms of our uh, of our beer choice. Did not go to our friends at Branching Out Bottle Shop. Not uh, yeah. not uh, out of any fault of theirs. Uh, but I happened to be in Rochester last week um, and stopped into a local brewery in Rochester, which coincidentally you are aware of. You haven't been to, but you knew what I was talking about. Yeah, I stayed literally a minute. Away from it, uh, my wife and I get, get to do this really amazing thing called David's Refuge um, mm-hmm. because the bear, our youngest, has some uh, developmental challenges. So we get to, every year they send parents of children with de- developmental or physical challenges away for a weekend. The only thing we have to take care of is getting there. And having care for the children. It's just for the parents. Yep. And you have, and you know, it's usually a bed and breakfast. And this one was the Elwanger Estate in Rochester, which is literally right up the road. And it's also right up the, if you go up the road a little more, you will find Su- uh, Susan B. Anthony and, um, oh no, what is his name? Another famous, uh, Susan Anthony was for uh, women's suffrage. Who was the guy that Trump was like 
oh, he's done a lot of really great things lately, but it has been dead for a very long time. Frederick Douglass. There it is. <laughs> got it. There. All right. I got Guys, I got there. Uh, <laughs> both their grave sites are in this. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and we found this guy who was, like, going to show us where Frederick Douglass was and ended up giving us, it's a huge, huge uh, cemetery, and he gave us this amazing tour. Um, So, yeah, we stayed there, drove by this uh, place. Uh, I feel like teasing it out for as long as possible. Uh, And I was like, oh, we should go there, and it was promptly shot down by Danny. <laughs> All right. So uh, in Rochester, New York, uh, in addition to the graves of Frederick Douglass and Susan B. Anthony, there's a little tiny uh, brewery known as Swiftwater Brewing Company. They mm-hmm. are uh, they are a farm brewery brew, pro- brew pub located in the heart of downtown Rochester's South Wedge neighborhood. Their history goes back to 2015 with when Andy Cook, the owner and head brewer, and a tight-knit group of friends and family volunteered to help. Over time, the Swiftwater team has grown to include their neighbors, community members, and patrons. I stopped in and had a little lunch. They have some great names for their beers. And, you know, (laughs) as you do, started thinking, boy, I could could connect some some movies to some of these names. So uh, our beer this evening um, is... Well, let me back up. One of the one of the leads of the movie is the phenomenal Jeff Goldblum, and I would suggest that this is the movie that really starts to make him a an alternative sex symbol. <laughs> you know, he's no Brad Pitt, uh, he's no uh, Rambo or Arnold Schwarzenegger with muscles, but he's got a certain kind of smoldering sexuality. I would suggest, and his role of um, Dr. Ian Malcolm, the chaos yeah. uh, mathematician, uh, I would say really kind of s- sets that emotion. So mm-hmm. as he's just oozing this kind of earthy sexiness, I would suggest that our beer this evening is perfectly named. We will be drinking Swiftwater Brewing Company's Sexy Single. <laughs> now, this is their sexy single, Sabro, and it refers to uh, a line of beers they do where they use a single hop for the um, for the for that particular brew. In this case, huh. it's the Sabro hop. This is a single hopped pale ale with notes of passion fruit, mango, and kiwi. I should also point out it's a good thing that this is a remote recording. We're each in our respective homes because yeah. this was only available in crowlers so we each have a 32 ounce crowler in front of us <laughs> oh boy do we ever also uh the passion fruit mango and what was the third one uh kiwi kiwi well kiwi not so much but the first two work really well because most of this movie was shot in hawaii oh well, i did not realize that oh yeah pretty, yeah pretty much anytime they're outside they're in hawaii nice <laughs> it's pretty rad all right well let's uh now, these are crowlers, which are great because they fill them to the brim, they seal them, and there's no light or oxygen that can get to the beer. So they'll actually stay for a few weeks as a crowler. But once we open mm-hmm. it, we got to drink it. So it's... Uh... Which I've done. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Wait, so I had to... Oh, no. <laughs> no, I'm probably not going to drink this whole thing. Okay. All right. Good. No no uh, foam explosion there. Let me pour this bad boy. Careful! It's got a, it's got an aggressive head. Again, 
I mean, Ooh. usually not a bad thing. That oh, well, look at you, you fancy motherfucker. Do look you, at mine. Oh, yeah. Now, out of curiosity, when you pour. Yeah, I tilted it. I tilted it. No, uh, but the oh. can, yeah. you turn it, you kind of rotate it outside. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Well, oh, God, that is a delicious smell. Are you getting those, the fruit? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's kind of fight through the head. All right. Well, cheers, buddy. Cheers, my friend. That, well, that's just delightful. That is a crushable beer. It's 5%. Oh, yeah. Which is, so middle of the road, that's a... Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, no. <laughs> I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do some damage to this crowler. I will tell you that right now. Yeah, I might too. Who oh. gives a shit? So uh, if you're in Rochester, anywhere. <laughs> yeah, uh, and also in addition to me grabbing the crowlers, I had lunch there as well. They had a great menu with a lot of vegetarian and vegan options. As you know, I'm not a vegan, but I do eat like one occasionally. And mm. I had a um, I had a stromboli that was absolutely amazing. So, Ooh, yeah, nice. so check out our friends over at Swiftwater Brewing Company in Rochester, New York. Uh, specifically. On Mount Hope Ave in Rochester, New York. Yes, yes. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, so I got one almost cast. Okay, that's yeah. Super fun. That's that's it. And then we can do all the production stuff. Sure. Because <laughs> there's there's a lot. <laughs> uh, so for Jurassic Park, where is it? There it is. Um, for the part of Dr. Alan Grant, mm. played by the wonderful... Sam Neill. Uh, also, I would suggest this is his breakout performance. He, oh, he certainly had a career I had no before this movie. Was. Yeah, yeah, yep. But then, like, as I got older and I saw movies that I had seen before, I'm like, oh, hey, it's the guy from Jurassic Park. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That uh, was offered to and turned down by Harrison Ford. Wow, it's <laughs> so funny. You know, it's so funny. I I have such a hard time now. I mean, again. You know, I I was born in 71. Uh, Harrison Ford is a figure of my childhood, right? From Star sure. Wars to Indiana Jones, right? And and, and everything. Um, mm-hmm. But nowadays, I have such a hard time picturing him as anything other than the grumpy old man. Uh, I just can't, like, interacting with kids. Like, I just can't see it. I can't see Telling it. David Blaine to get the fuck out of his house. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Phil, I don't, I don't really care for David Blaine that much, but yeah. that is pure comedy gold. That's true. That's true. Because it's obvious that Harrison is also high as a fucking kite. And it's just like, <laughs> uh, it's a wizard. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I will admit, um, the bit he did, was it Kimmel? Mm-hmm. With Chewbacca in the audience, that's fucking funny. Um, well, we all he did a lot of fun stuff during the Force Awakens tour because, well, we all know what happens. <laughs> Not going to say it, but I was just like, man, Harrison Ford's having a great time. He's finally doing. Oh, <laughs> oh that's, that's right. why. That's right. Uh, and after he saw the movie, uh, Harrison said he made the right decision. I don't think that's a knock on the movie. I think it's the fact that he thinks Sam Neill is a much better. Sure. And Sam's, Sam's pretty close the way he portrays it to how Grant is in the book. Mm-hmm. Not a whole lot of the rest of the, our main crew does. Yeah. Now, now I have read this book. I have not read it's this book, book in a couple decades. But watching the movie again today, 
Uh, definitely makes me want to go back and watch it. Uh, uh, full disclosure, I am a huge fan of Michael Crichton's writing. Sure. I think he's a brilliant writer. I think he mm-hmm. um, he is able to capture complex subjects and make them very accessible. Um, this movie. <laughs> this movie, yeah, absolutely. We're so cloning dinosaurs. <laughs> the, the movie rights to this, uh, the movie rights were sold before the novel was published. Mm-hmm. So 1990, the novel Jurassic Park comes out, um, and uh, Spielberg, obviously, Spielberg directs this. He acquired the rights for $1.5 million before it was published. After the novel comes out, they hired Michael Crichton for another half a million dollars to help adapt the novel specifically for the screen. Mm-hmm. Now, the the other gentleman uh, who has the uh, screenplay credit is David Kep who we have talked Cap, about before. Yes. Just recently, in fact, he wrote uh, the the mm. Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. He's mm. also written... Um, Did he write The Shadow? He wrote... Uh, let's see. Yes, he wrote The Shadow. Yeah, that's why we, that's we just right. talked about him. That's right. Yep. Uh, Carlito's Way, which is one of my favorite uh, of Al Pacino's later career movies. Car- <gasps> Seriously? Oh my God, it's so good. Vigo Mortensen's in it. It's a I know. surprise little cameo. Not a cameo. Never a seen it. Role for you, big. Uh, yeah, and he's written a, a bazillion stuff. Toy Soldiers, Death Becomes or The Shadow. Um, Wait, Toy Soldiers? That was the one where the the everybody uh, the school got taken over, right? Yes. Not small. Oh, soldiers. not small soldiers. You're right. That and that's Toy exactly soldiers. what I was thinking of. Yep. 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 Toy Soldiers. Yeah, that was Will Wheaton. Was that like a like a who else follow on to, from Taps? No, it was a follow on from uh, Red Dawn. This oh, group really? of kids try and take over. And uh, spoiler for the movie: Will Wheaton is super gunned down in it. Oh no shit! <laughs> Very soon in the movie, because I was like, "All right, Will Wheaton, Wesley Crusher, what the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's it. So uh, obviously, Crichton has the original novel plus helps with the adaptation. David Kep writes the screenplay, and of course, directed by this little upstart director, <laughs> Stevie Spielberg. I don't know if you've heard of him. Oh, he's so good. God uh, damn it. Our. Uh, our our uh, five timers club chat is uh, got a really brisk discussion going about West Side Story right now. And is that because did yeah. you just see that or Colin just Colin saw it? Colin saw it and Shannon saw it. And apparently Shannon at some point was like, it's really good. And I don't think I responded because I'm like, yeah, no shit. It's West Side Story and Steven Spielberg. <laughs> of course it's going to be good. <laughs> There's no way for it not to be good. <laughs> and Chuck and I are watching. Yeah. Observing the chat, observing the chat. Uh, I yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you would you know. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I know it, yeah. it's Romeo and Juliet. Sure, 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 sure. It's I just don't have that, I don't have that connection that you, Colin, and Shannon do. You know, it's a, it's a classic of American musical theater, and it, mm-hmm. that, I just don't have that uh, sense. Memory it's it. it's weirdly one of those shows that uh, Colin, Shannon, and I have all done, which really? is not. Yeah, N- Shannon played anybody's. Oh wait, in the same production. No, no, no. Oh, okay, okay. No. No, my anybody's was about, was about four inches shorter than Shannon. Oh, which, my, and Shannon is not a tall woman. Oh no. So at the end, when Tony freaks out on her and throws her down the last night, I got a little too excited and actually pushed her. <laughs> you could, And it's the night that we record, and you can see me just kind of go, 
Well, that just happened. Okay. <laughs> do, 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 do. Um, Colin played Doc in high school, and I played Tony uh, in, right out of college. Oh, wow. Oh, all right. Uh, so, I mean, uh, not going to go through Spielberg's uh, filmography. Let's see. How no, many Spielberg we've... movies have we done? Jaws, E.T. Mm-hmm. This is our third. Just the third? Okay. Just the third, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, For now. Yeah, I'm trying to think. He's not. He has never done a superhero, a superhero movie. He's, movie yeah. he's he's in that camp of superhero movies are ruining cinema. He's kind of backed away from that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I think it was. I think the reason he also did West Side Story is like, look, American cinema, we could do this. And, and American you know, I'm sure audiences qu- said, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's great. But it just it also, you know, they pushed it a year. It was supposed to come out Christmas 2020, obviously. Very smart not to do that. But then they waited a whole year. If they had kind of like watched how... Because the movie was done and just watched how the pandemic was going and done like other movies and been like, we're going to release now. It probably would have done better during the summer. I mean, for Christ's sake, it was up against Spider-Man. Yeah. (laughs) Which is about to beat out Avatar. (laughs) Yeah, right? It's crazy. That should that should uh, nicely uh, put the timestamp on this episode for when it comes out here and also on the main feed. Um, interesting. I must be looking. Uh, this must be. This is. Oh, this is data as of February. Oh no, data as of February sixth. This can't be right. Okay, so um, boxofficemojo.com dot uh-huh. has the top lifetime grosses. And they list it both domestically and worldwide. I'm looking at worldwide. Oh, it's not worldwide. It's domestic. Oh, domestic. It's about to be okay. It. It's only like tw- it was 20 million away as of like Friday because there's that great. Um, oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Okay, this is right. Okay, okay. I'm sorry. I was thinking. I was thinking something else. Oh my god. Do you know what? The- oh, how is that? So domestic top lifetime gross number one movie of all time. Star Wars: Force Awakens. Oh fuck that. Yeah. Oh, good lord! Yeah, so domestically right now, Spider-Man: No Way Home is four. Oh, that's not. Nope, that cannot be right. Hang on. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm mixing. I'm sorry. I came in here looking for Jurassic Park, and we were talking about <laughs> Avatar versus Spider-Man: No Way Home. Boy, I really got lost though, folks. I literally just started drinking. I've had like three drinks. Okay, or three sips. <laughs> Uh, gonna have to take the first one. You've had three drinks. Yeah. <laughs> this is Todd's drunk episode. Okay, so never. I mean, so as of right now, in terms of worldwide top lifetime grosses, the movie we're talking about, Jurassic Park, is like uh, seventh. No, it's it's not even. Oh no, it's in like in, but it's in the top twenty, right? Mm, no, no. You know, the reality is the MCU has really <sighs> knocked a whole bunch a whole, of stuff yeah, out. Yeah, it's right, number right, right, right. thirty-one of all time. Wow. For worldwide, yeah. So uh, we're doing this kind of out of order a little bit here. So the money, this movie comes out in 93. It has a budget mm-hmm. of $63 million. And to date, as of boxofficemojo.com, it's sitting at $1.099 billion worldwide, which is the 31st top grossing film of all time. Now in 2022 dollars, it's almost a two for one, so it's about one point nine two to one. So 
say, mm-hmm. um, you know, that $60 million, $63 million gross becomes about, uh, what, $112, million, $118 And it does, you know, almost $2 billion. Uh, almost two billion in. Uh, yeah, hence why we're you know a uh, couple week, couple months rather away from uh, our fifth in this franchise, sure, where sure. everybody's coming back. So let's talk about that. I that everybody's coming back. Well, I love this movie. This movie mm-hmm. I love. I don't <laughs> even think I saw two or three at the theaters, <gasps> and when Please. I did see them, I think I was, I think I was underwhelmed with both of them. Three has gotten better with time, especially where the franchise has gone, because mm-hmm. Joe Johnston, I don't know if he knew what was coming, mm-hmm. but he definitely leans into the monster movie feel to it, which sure. is pretty much what these movies have become. Are, I mean, that's what they are in this one, just Spielberg has more restraint yeah. on making a monster movie. Yeah, and, I mean, and let's be honest, I would put Spielberg in the... You know, in the category of the masters of the modern, or or maybe the postmodern monster movie, right? I mean, like, sure, 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 sure. So, <laughs> yeah, one of the ones we did on this podcast. I mean, yeah, I mean, the movie that literally scared people out of the water, right? <laughs> uh, in Jaws. Uh, so, uh, I mean, what do you want to talk? I, I, you know, oh, what do I want to talk about? How about? Uh, much like with Jaws, speaking of which, sure, uh, they made all these dinosaurs. Yep. For the T Rex attack, at first Spielberg went through and storyboarded this whole thing using stop motion. Interesting. So when he went to go shoot it, he knew exactly where the camera needed to be and how he wanted the, the lighting to be in everything. Some of it's on some of the bonus features. I have this, uh, obviously. Of course, uh, of I own course. this movie. Of course, you do. And. Um, Man, it's really cool. Like they'll show the shot that he did with stop motion, and then they'll show it with the movie, and you're like, I mean, this is literally shot for shot. Yeah, yeah. It's goofy to look at, but it's shot for shot. Um, but the whole T-Rex attack was supposed to be just at night. And then Spielberg was like, you know, with the computer generation, uh, it would be better if it was raining because it would obscure the computer generated version. And Stan Winston had to be like well, we haven't set the gyros for it to get wet, and it's made out of, it's 1,200 pounds on its own. And Steven was like, don't worry, those giant mechanical puppets never uh, malfunction in water. Have you ever seen the footage of it malfunctioning? No. It would just, they would be sitting there, and all of a sudden it would just start shaking on its own. You're like, (laughs) fuck, I gotta run now. Oh, no. And um, so, and also, uh, you know, they do a take, and then all of Stan Winston's uh, probably his poor interns had to do this, but they'd run in with chamois, start slapping it because they didn't want to wipe it to ruin the foam. They're just slapping it with these chamois. It's so funny to watch. Um, But the T Rex model itself, Mm -hmm. when it was almost a full scale puppet, it was a puppeteer for the mouth. A puppeteer who literally had like almost like uh, an exosuit for his arms, and he did the arms with that. Then someone else did the torso, and then someone else did the tail. It was like a a three foot, uh, not three foot, probably like two and a half foot, um, like girder version of 
the T-Rex that they would be able to move and everyone had to move in sync. And then there was someone who would move the eyes. Wow. It was just, it was such an amazing feat. And it holds up because it's a puppet most of the time. That scene is absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Uh, so do you, um, I want to talk about the look of the dinosaurs. Let's save that for the, because <laughs> it's such a crit, right? Like, but I, I, I know where you want to go, and I have a, a counter argument okay. that I have already used multiple times with people. I am interested to hear. So, in full disclosure, I have not heard your take on this, so this will be hmm? the perfect place for me to hear this. Okay. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, let's see. So we did the money uh, screenplay mm-hmm. director. Um, uh, well, okay. So IMDb. Yeah. Do you want to take? Do you recall, or did you look up? Uh, what the IMDb rating for this movie is. So I own this on 4K on a streaming platform, or uh, I'm not going to give them money because I already gave them my money. Um, uh-huh. And it ge- only gives Rotten Tomatoes, and that was fairly high. Okay. I'm going to say this is because there are pedantic idiots on uh, uh, IMDb, and I'm one of them. I love but that I, you own it, though. <laughs> but but I don't care with this movie. I'm going to say this is probably in the 8 range. Uh, just barely. 8.1. Bunch of fucking nerds. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to point... You know what? And when we're talking about this, uh, much like if you go over to my other podcast, Where No Mom Has Gone Before, when we do Wrath of Khan, we're pointing out how some of the science doesn't work in that movie. And every time we do, but either Colin and I go, but... But I don't care. Yes, this movie is awesome. Same thing with this. There's a lot of stuff, like literally not even science, like actual location moments don't fucking make sense from scene to scene. And I don't give a shit. (laughs) I love this movie. I mean, that's the thing. If if the movie is done right, it doesn't matter if it, you know, is false to reality or even, you know, doesn't always make sense. In contextually, I mean, like we will typically call out movies that don't follow their internal logic, but maybe this is an example, and I'm I'm interested to see what you're you're going to refer to. But you know, again, if you do it right, I don't care. I'm going to it's yeah, you know what, for me care. that is that is cap. I don't care. Oh. I don't care no. that it doesn't make sense. I'll just I'll just make sure to go in and bleep that because I know you won't. <laughs> You son of hey, this is the this is the opening. I edit this part. <laughs> I could yeah, but I put it all I together. Know, so you I can... son of a bitch. <laughs> so if you hear a bleep there, of, if the, if it made it into the episode, it's because of me. Of course, I do upload it to Patreon, so I am the last one touching it. <laughs> Are you really gonna go through and <laughs> no, find <no>. this moment? <laughs> Come on. All right. Well then, you know, I think we're at that magical point in the discussion. Oh, let's roll that film. Uh, let's start with the vanity logo. Yes. Um, the bear was in the room when this movie started and he recognized it, but it wasn't the universal theme. And he kind of looked around like, the fuck, where's my the theme? The fuck is this shit, right? Because <laughs> he loves he loves universal logo. Oh, I, I do know. too. Oh, that's yeah, so funny. Because of a couple of his his movies that he likes, he sure, uh, sure. have that. I'm curious. I, I wonder what the name of this font is. The uh, universal font? No, the Jurassic Park font. It's probably called the Jurassic Park font. I'll bet you it is. Uh, normally, if you type in Jurassic Park font, I bet you you're going to find a way to download that onto your computer. Yeah, 
Jurassic Park font by Film Fonts. Personal use free. Now, that could be someone has created this. Jesus, I have no idea what. But I'm talking before that. I'm talking just when the Universal logo is coming in. And all you hear is like pretty much jungle noises. You hear some crickets, frog or two. And then Amblin Entertainment comes up. Universal Studios comes up. And the music underneath, you just go... Something very, very bad is about to happen. <laughs> it is Jaws. Sure. It's sure. that same like low bass tones, and you're just like, huh, John Williams, why are you making me nervous right now? I, I mean, the man the man knows how to make us feel big emotions, right? I still, when I hear the force theme, yeah. It no, I don't care what's happening in the movie, I get a little emotional about it. I'm like, oh God. Yeah. I yeah. love this theme so much. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this theme, I would say, is the same. You're right. Oh, there's a theme later in the movie that gets me every time. Okay. All right. Well, I look forward to hearing that. I would suggest that John Hammond, the incredibly wealthy creator of Jurassic Park, um, played by the wonderful Richard Attenborough. Yes, yes, yes. Da- playing uh, it very different than the book. Hammond in the book is an asshole. <laughs> like, Hammond in the movie has some asshole tendencies. Yeah. And kind of is short-sighted in his thought process. Also, Hammond in the book does not survive. Oh. See, again, I, I've read it, but that's how long I could not remember. I could not remember the differences. Pretty much the people who weirdly survive this movie that don't survive the book are Hammond, mm-hmm. Malcolm, and um, B.D. Wong's character, Henry... Uh, uh, Wu, Dr. Wu. Henry Wu, yeah. Who becomes the villain of the Jurassic World movies for some weird reason. Yeah, right? What a weird turn. Like, hey, we're going to bring your character back. You're going to be super duper evil. <laughs> yes. One little bit that, that I chuckled at, in many kind of fictional stories like this, Hammond would be this wealthy, uh, single-minded person devoting all of his resources. Even he's not wealthy enough to make this happen. He has investors and not just like silent partners, people that he answers to, which is the right? whole genesis of the entire reason that uh, Dr. Grant, um, Dr. Sattler Dr. and Dr. Sattler Malcolm and Dr. Malcolm yeah. are all there. Absolutely. But, and Gennaro, the sleazy oh, sure, lawyer, Gennaro, which the lawyer. I was watching a, like a return to Jurassic park, I believe is what it's called. It's like a retrospective. It probably, the 10th or 15th or 20th anniversary. It was a while ago because yep. you can just see everyone's aged a little, but they're still younger than they are now. Yeah, might've yeah. been the 10 and Spielberg's like, no, no, we like lawyers. I'm like, do you, you named the shark after your lawyer. And then Gennaro, that's two, that's two for two. Come on. Yeah. Well, listen, Hammond is lucky that he has set up Jurassic park. Uh, where is it? So Isla Nubar, right? 20 miles off the coast of Costa Rica. Okay, so well outside the jurisdiction of OSHA because the accident that happens in the beginning never should have happened. Sure. And that's right out of the book. This yep. is, I believe, does the book start with uh, this or does it start with a chunk of the dinosaur washing up on the shore? I actually don't think we see it in the book. I actually think we hear about it because there's a, isn't there a report right. that a laborer ends up in a local emergency department with these massive. Right, and then that doctor finds the chunk of the dinosaur, and he, man, this would make a really good, if they wanted to take this and make it a limited series, 
just Jurassic Park. Don't go into any of the rest. Yeah, it, <laughs> but just it, make this move. Make this into like a like what they're doing with Peacemaker, where you get to take the time with all these characters. And you sure, get to build on all this the, stuff. There is a whole shadowy uh, force working against Hammond. Uh, sure, that you know, I, I think certainly as I, I think about show the movie, up in the I don't, next movie. Yes, in the next movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking on it, thinking about it, or or recalling it. But it's so critical. Again, it's the driving force of everything that happens. Right. The the uh, betrayal by Near uh, Nedry is mm-hmm. because of this, uh, you know, presumably rival business organization that uh, engaging a little bit of. Uh, Oh, lethal that's right. industrial sabotage, right? Yeah, Dot Dotchen is is from that company, but we don't get the name until the next one. Um, seeing him, Nedry, uh, his financial problems are one hundred percent his fault. Okay, Hammond oh. is right. <laughs> all right, all right. By a simple line, you know anybody who can network eight connection machines and debug two million lines of code for what I bid for this job? Just like with Hammond, you're saying he's got all these he's got all these investors. Yep, Hammond is very clearly bad with his money because when he's with Grant and Sattler in their trailer. Uh-huh. He says, I own an island off the coast of Costa Rica. I've leased it from the government. Hey, Hammond, if you're leasing it, you don't own it. I <laughs> lease my car. It's not my car. It's the company's car, and I'm just paying to drive it around. Well, So clearly, I, Hammond, bad with money. I don't think Hammond is accustomed to thinking, in, or I don't think he's accustomed to being told no. Clearly, yeah, right. Like in his, <laughs> but mind, by the end of this movie, he does. Like he he gets it by the sh- end. Right, right. He with has a, a very simple line at the end that makes you go, "Oh, he gets it." And then they make another movie where he doesn't. Yeah, psych. <laughs> <laughs> like, as someone who used to work in loss prevention and risk control, I want to talk about the transfer process they have set here. They're transferring some kind of an animal from a massive steel crate into some kind of an enclosure. They move this crate up next to the enclosure, and then a guy standing on top of the crate... Should be standing on top of the crate. There should be, yeah, there should be no one there. He should be standing on top of the gate on the other side. He should be on, he should be in the enclosure. There's no reason for anyone well, to be there. I mean, you should have some kind of a mechanism. Sure, if, if you can't have a mechanism, if you cut corners and you need to have it done manually, should not be standing on the crate, should be standing on a structure that cannot move. And, Boom. And... Should have fall protection in place. Should there should be safety there harnesses? Should be a, sure. You know, some kind of a you know netting. There's no way that he. You're so, really nerding out on this, and I love it. I really am. <laughs> so the setup is bad. Uh, yeah. Whatever this animal. Well, okay. So the dinosaur, the Velociraptor in the crate, then kicks away from the enclosure, shoving the crate back. The guy on top falls down, and the Velociraptor is able to get a hold of him. At that point, our Australian pal, uh, Muldoon, who's clearly the head hunter. head hunt, Yeah. Uh, he's yelling for them to shoot her, shoot her, and no one does. There's no... They have these, uh, like, high-powered cattle prods, basically. But there should have been, like... Plans and procedures that were well understood and practiced in the event that lethal force is necessary. The half a dozen guys with shotguns should have been standing right there and stepped up to fire. Horrible process. So OSHA would be all over Hammond if he was anywhere in their jurisdiction. That's why he went offshore, be offshore of another country, because the guy is shady as fuck. 
Sure. I believe that's in the book. <laughs> like, he's more shady in the book. Okay. And it's one of the reasons he does it. This whole sequence is, is Spielberg getting back to his Jaws roots. Yes. This feels like Chrissy's death in Jaws. Yeah. You don't really see a whole lot, but you know that dude died. <laughs> you know, the eventual reveal of dinosaurs from the the wonder that that Grant, Dr. Grant has when they see the dinosaurs for the first time and it's a, a joyous occasion to the mm. eventual reveal of the T-Rex even um, and mm-hmm. even the Velociraptors. So well done. Um, boy, you almost have to wonder, going back to Jaws and out of necessity, you know, rethinking the way in which he told the story visually with the shark and when we see it and everything, you got to wonder if Spielberg like counts his blessings every day that Bruce malfunctioned and he had yeah. to come at it from this other angle because, boy, he knows how to reveal. Every time there's a reveal, it's fucking amazing. Do you know how long the dinosaurs are on screen in this movie? Oh, it can't be very much. Is it? The movie's two hours long. Okay. Uh, I'll bet you it's not even 15 minutes. It is literally 15 Is minutes. it really? That's crazy. 15 minutes. And we go, the dinosaurs, the di- the, it's more about the people and sure. what they're going through, but... He does such a great job of showing them when we need them that it just, it makes it so good. It's, yeah, yeah. And and that that first scene, I mean, oh my God, if you're not hooked at the end of that scene, which can't be more than, it's if it's five minutes, it's maybe five minutes, right? Like, sure. And, And this is where the beginning of the science doesn't work in this movie because velociraptors are not six feet tall. Right, right. Right. They're only about three feet tall. They're about the size of a larger dog. The name is cool as fuck. That's why he used it. There is a dinosaur, and I cannot remember which one it is, that is like the Velociraptor. I believe it is part of the same family. Uh, it is part of the the raptor family, and it... Oh, I cannot think of it. Um, let's see. The, yeah, the Utah Raptor. The, oh, U- that's right. The Utah Raptor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Utah Raptor is about, is about... No, no, that's only seven meters. Sorry. Wait, there's something well, I, seven seven meters is twenty one feet. Oh, seven meters long. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, with there's a, a picture. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sure, with a neck and the tail. Oh, sure, that's yeah, that's big guy. Yeah, yeah. So though, but a we hadn't discovered the Utah Raptors yet, and b <laughs> <laughs> Utah Raptors doesn't sound as scary as Velociraptors. That's and right. uh, Crichton and Spielberg have gone on record saying, yeah, we know they're not that size, but Velociraptors is a scary name. <laughs> It, it, yeah, and let let's say this: there's all kinds. Of, we you could do a, and I'm actually I'm sure there are. There's got to be podcasts that have done the science of this movie. There's websites. I'm sure, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Right, like uh, none of you know these dinosaurs that we see are not from the Jurassic period. They're from the Cretaceous. Cretaceous. Yep. Doctor Grant my... references. Yeah. So yes, we know. But again, uh, who cares? But you know why? Because according to Michael Crichton, Cretaceous Park didn't look good on a book cover. And he's absolutely right. <laughs> again, he's right. I don't care. Yeah, and <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Exactly. I, don't care. I am Tommy Lee Jones talking to Harrison Ford <laughs> in The Fugitive. No, no, no. He turned down the roles, Dr. Gray. It's, oh, oh, it's, oh it's, terrible, uh, Sam Neill. Uh, okay, so we're at a dig. And... In uh, the... In Utah. Dominican Republic? Montana. No, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. There's a quick scene week. in the Dominican Republic. Yep. You're absolutely right. Yes. Yep. Uh, and just, again, does Steven Spielberg hate lawyers? Hate lawyers. Because I think he does. This instant he's on screen, you're like, well, that guy's a slime ball. <laughs> so the wonderful Martin Ferrero. Oh, he's so good. Um, 
not done a bazillion movies. He has 49, I mean, you know, more than me, 49 actor credits on IMDb. In addition to this, he was in Heat, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes, he's the uh, hotel guy uh, along the way. Yes. Where they're like, I only have this much money. Like, I I can't can't do it for that much. (laughs) That's right. Get Shorty, which I love. Uh, Stop or my mom will shoot. Oh, God. (laughs) Wait, Get Shorty, the... The movie. Oh, wow. I remember him in that. Yeah, he's Tommy Carlo. He is... Um, John Travolta's buddy in Miami, the one who's telling him not to, yeah, not to go, yeah, yeah, not to go mess with Dennis Farina's character. Yeah, yeah. The other that guy actor in the scene, Miguel Sandoval, is Rostagno. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, I think, his biggest role is the drug kingpin in Clear and Present Danger. <laughs> yes. Yep. Right. He's kind of a that guy actor. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, shit. 163 actor credits on IMDb. Good for him. Yeah, holy cow. So all that's happening in this scene is that he, for some reason, Gennaro goes here looking for Hammond. Does he not just Hammond not get clearance before he leaves someplace? Yeah, that one, that seems bizarre. My assumption is Rostagno must be working for Hammond. Oh, yeah, he is. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You said Hammond. I was thinking Grant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, see, again, I think Hammond doesn't answer to anyone. He's not used to being told no. No one tells him where he can or can't go. He doesn't ask for permission. He does. <laughs> yeah. If he wants to reincarnate these extinct species, fuck it, he does. He sure does. And we get our little uh, teaser of how that happens at the end of the scene there. I mean, I love the the three of this lawyer's not only slimy, but he's an idiot. He slips yeah. getting off the boat. He slips going up the hill, and then he hits his head going into the mine. I love he hits his head, and then Rostagno just goes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but at the I'm end of this, he picks here. up uh, like a piece of ember that has a giant mosquito in it. And you're like, oh, what's that about? Uh, is, uh, what's the uh, the attorney's name is? Gennaro. Gennaro? Mm-hmm. Gennaro? Mr. Gennaro, yes. Is he, is he in a suit? He sure is. He's in a full what? suit here. When he when he gets to Jurassic Park, he is in a full suit on top, suit shorts on the bottom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's a really that's odd right. choice. Like, okay, sure, the shorts I get. It's hot. You still want to look professional? Just a shirt and tie, my dude. You don't need the jacket. <laughs> it's the fucking tropics. You don't need a fucking tie, you fucking idiot. You're in the jungle. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, you know the customer's like, I'm going to do this because it'll make him look like more of a dick. That's right. That's and right. They're right. It does. And now... We are in Utah. Montana. Yeah. And actually, a beautiful little bit of, um, you know, give us a little hint about the character before we get there. You'll never get him out of Montana. Why not? Because Grant's like me. He's a digger. How much do you love the scene? Between Dr. Grant, Sam Neill, and who self-professed doesn't like kids. Oh, yeah, they look, they're noisy, they're messy, they're expensive. Cheap, cheap. They smell. They do not smell. Some of them smell. Baby smell. And the poor little kid, played by by Whit Hertford. Have you heard the fan theory about this little kid? Uh, yes. He grows up to be Chris Pratt's character. I'm good with it. Yeah. Well, I'm good with we that may one. find out because they're all in Jurassic Park Requiem or Jurassic World Requiem or whatever, whatever the next one's called. Requiem. Okay. I don't even know. 
Ribido? I don't know. The the one that comes out in a couple months. Uh, they're, they're all back. Uh, Grant, Sattler. Wow. World Dominion. Jurassic World Dominion. 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 Do you know who Grant is based on? I do not. The dinosaur expert for this movie, Jack Horner, who, uh, if you, you've seen Jurassic, the, the Lost World Jurassic Park, yep. he's the guy with the big beard and the long hair who gets, uh, when they're in the waterfall and the Tyrannosaurus is coming out there, he's like, you gotta watch out where you're going. And then he gets grabbed and eaten, yeah. which I'm like, hey, oh, wait a minute. so funny. What the fuck? I mean, it's not him. It's not actually Jack Horner, but it's who Jack Horner is, looks like. Got it, got it, got it. Very funny pre-production. I forgot to mention this story. When they did the stop motion for the, because um, they did some of the dinosaur tests in stop motion. Mm-hmm. For the actual movie to see if that would work. And then they eventually abandoned it to say, you know, this computer generated thing worked really well for Terminator 2. We might as well give it a shot. <laughs> they animated the velociraptors to have snake tongues, like to breathe, yeah. to like smell stuff. And you can see in the thing when the ladle's on the ground, it it spits its tongue out to smell it. Yeah. And I guess Jack Horner saw it and went, who is the idiot who did this? And the guy who did it was like, oh, that's, that's me. I'm, uh, I'm terribly sorry. I upset you, Mr. Dinosaur Man. Oh, that's funny. Uh. <laughs> that doesn't look very scary. More like a six-foot turkey. They're on this dig site. Grant scares the shit out of this kid oh. with a very horrifying story. Oh, Try to imagine yourself in the Cretaceous period. You get your first look at this six-foot turkey as you enter a clearing. It moves like a bird lightly bobbing his head and you keep still because you think that maybe his visual acuity is based on movement like t-rex and he'll lose you if you don't move but no not velociraptor you stare at him and he just stares right back and that's when the attack comes not from the front but from the side from the other two raptors you didn't even know were there it's a little weird that uh, that Sattler's like, hee, 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 my boyfriend's funny. I'm like, um, Alan, stop. You're scaring the child. <laughs> the point is, you are alive when they start to eat you. So, you know, try to show a little respect. My question is, this helicopter comes down. Grant runs over to tell him to shut it down. Yep. The guy's pointing towards their trailer. They walk down there, and Hammond's in there. How? <laughs> How does he get in there? The helicopter comes down. They run over to tell him to shut it down. Then they go to the trailer. Got it. He- Hammond walks with a cane, <laughs> has an obvious, an affected gait of some sort. Uh-huh. Did he teleport? <laughs> Did he parachute? What the fuck is happening? Good question. Good question. Do uh, you know what my answer is? I don't, I don't care. care. <laughs> I love this movie. So uh, Hammond has an offer for Grant, right? Mm-hmm. He needs his expertise. And despite the fact that Grant is not interested in whatever little ridiculous errand this this wealthy um, is he a businessman? Is he a? Do we know anything about his background from the movie? I don't think we really do. Do we? No, they kind of fluff over it. But I believe in the co- in the book, it's it's genetics. Okay, got because InGen is the name of his company, and then they they take the genetic research got it. to be able to make the dinosaurs. Got it. Okay. But Dr. Grant could not care less about whatever it is that Hammond wants him to do. Sure. Until. Yeah. <laughs> well, I could compensate you by fully funding your dig. And this is a very unusual time. Lynchpin to make sure it happens is. For a further three years. God. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's enough money, of course, to get him 
onto the helicopter, onto a plane, sure. and then onto another <laughs> helicopter. I love Sattler's. Where's the plane? Well, you're in the middle of the desert. You're a doctor. <laughs> you have a PhD. What the fuck? <laughs> you have to get on the helicopter first. We are introduced to Nedry, played perfectly. Dodson. Dodson. We've got Dodson here. See, nobody cares. By Wayne Knight. Ugh. To the point where I feel bad for Wayne Knight. Um, because these are the parts he always plays. Don't feel bad for him. He's making great bank on Cameo right now. Oh, is he? Good for him. My mother-in-law um, is a motivational humorist. She, For a number of years, she was a stand-up comedian. Mm-hmm. She has a love of comedy and the art of comedy. She loves Seinfeld. And she turned 70 this year. Big milestone birthday. And for her birthday, Aubrey got her a Cameo from Wayne Knight. Oh. It was... You know, as as sweet as yours was, yeah, Mister Knight's was just as sweet. It was a it was a home run uh, for Yvonne. Yeah. I love that because uh, set condition one for mm-hmm. Caleb's fortieth birthday, they got him Edward James almost. Wow! Because he's the captain. Sure, he's sure, the, yeah, uh, yeah. And there's this really amazing moment in the show. It's Caleb's favorite moment in the whole thing. Yep. It it is lovingly called the Adama maneuver. Okay, because uh, he's an Adama. Yep. And he's like, and my my birthday present to you, Caleb, is it is now your maneuver. I give it to you. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> they play it during the episode, and Caleb literally falls out of his chair. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's so great. That's awesome. Right, right. So uh, I, I think Wayne Knight, you know, he's... I'm sure he's a lovely human being. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the career he had. Sure. But he just always plays the dick. <laughs> Now, I did some math here, okay. sir. Yeah, yeah. So, in his little briefcase mm-hmm. or dot bag or whatever that is that he's got, he is handed $750,000. Okay. And then there's another fifty once he brings the embryos to them. Wasn't it fifty per embryo? One delivery, fifty thousand more for each viable embryo. That's one point five million if you get all fifteen species off the island. Oh fuck! Was it fifty per? It was a dollar amount per embryo. I didn't do that math. I am- <laughs> I just did this math. I did well. It, regardless, that's eight hundred thousand dollars in nineteen ninety three. Sure, eight hundred thousand dollars. Just that. If that's what it is. Yep. <laughs> it is $1.54 million today. Sure. So, yeah, I see why he's doing it. But if it's 50 per embryo. Hey, everyone. It's Casey from the Editing Bay. Just letting you know that I did the actual math for what Nedry should have been paid if he hadn't been eaten by that Dilophosaurus, which was $1.5 million for all the embryos. And that today would be $2.9 million. Well, let's say Two million nine hundred and seventeen thousand eight hundred and fifty-three dollars and ninety-two cents. If you want to get specific, thanks. Bye. That's right. It is because they're very specific. They want the T-Rex and the Velociraptor, which plays into future movies. Yep. Uh, I'm ninety-five percent positive the additional fee was per embryo. I missed the per embryo. How many fucking times do I watch this movie? Oh, well, oh yeah, boy. To be fair, it was a math thing. So. No, you fucker. <laughs> And, you know, if if they, uh, you know, no. I'm not going to pick up. On- no, it's not even a math thing. It's just missing the line. <laughs> I thought it was 50 after he brings it, but per embryo. And how is he going to get the embryos out, Todd? In a brilliant, brilliant little bit of um, subterfuge, they have prepared a fake 
Barbasol shaving cream canister. This whole little sequence is so funny. Like when when Dotson opens it up and then has the thing pop out so he can uh, he can stack them. Yep. The little squeal that Wayne lets out is so great. Oh, God, it's cool to compartmentalize inside. <laughs> like clearly is a ad lib from Wayne because the actor who's playing Dotson goes to say his. Has enough coolant inside for thirty six hours. No menthol. The, em- <laughs> the embryos have to be back here in San Jose by then. I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Poor guy. You know that's what's setting. The series of unfortunate events in motion here is right. this industrial espionage, right? It kind of turns Nedry into the only villain of the movie. No one else is because the only other people that are out to kill people in this movie or harm people in this movie <laughs> are the right. dinosaurs. They're just forces of nature. That's fair. They say that like they wanted also it to be the velociraptors because they wanted them to be the bad guys. I'm like, yeah. They're all badass bitches, and I'm saying that because they're all female. Um, but gosh, just I never look at them as evil in this no, movie. No, they're predators. They see food. Yeah. They're predators. They see food. They're going to get it. In later movies, especially like in Jurassic Park 3, they are turned into full-on villains. I don't know if you remember, but in Jurassic mm. Park 3, they literally set a trap with um, Michael Jeter. Oh, there's a scene where he gets injured by a velociraptor by them taking their their big toe, pretty much. Oh, and st- yes. And stabbing it into his back so he's paralyzed. Oh. And they're all going to climb down the street to help him. Like, what? No, wait, it's a trap. And they go to do something else. And then since the velociraptors figure out that they, they're not going to fall for the trap, they walk over, pick up Michael Jeter's head in their mouth, and just snap his neck. Oh. I'm like... So they're just full-on bad guys in this movie. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. So then we are on a helicopter mm-hmm. with... Uh, so you two um, dig up dig up dinosaurs? <laughs> the wonderful Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> playing Ian Malcolm. Uh, very different, again, from the book. Um, they decided to sex up Ian Malcolm for the for the movie. Oh, was he not also like a serial? That I don't remember. I remember big beats, but I don't remember a specific. Yeah. In the book, he runs away just like Gennaro does. And oh, interesting. It was Goldblum on the day, which the balls on that man to <laughs> go to Steven Spielberg on the day and go, what if I, uh, what if I light a flare and have the... T-Rex chased me. <laughs> you know, I think in the same way that this movie kind of like is a real moment for Jeff Goldblum, um, I feel like the concept of um, chaos theory also certainly existed prior to this movie. But I think this was like the jumping off point for chaos theory to enter, you know, pop culture uh-huh. or, you know, broad awareness. Sure. Right. Which is this idea that um, essentially... You know, there is too much randomness and unpredictability in in systems to be able to perfectly pattern, model, or um, predict the outcome of events because there's just so many variables in the world, right? Sure. Essentially, that's it. Uh, So, yeah, this scene just kind of introduces us to Malcolm because we kind of already know uh, Sattler and Grant and Gennaro. It's really his introduction. And my, my real question in this scene is... When Hammond and Malcolm are going back and forth, a fashionable number cruncher, and Malcolm squeezes Hammond's leg, is that Jeff Goldblum just fucking around with Attenborough? Because his reaction is genuine. Do what you wouldn't do, Doctor Sadler, Doctor Grant. You've heard of you've heard of chaos theory. And then he looks out the window like he's got a 
get rid of the smirk he's got from it. It really seems like it's just Jeff Goldblum like, I'm going to boop you. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Um, so funny. Malcolm is almost like a rock and roll mathematician, right? Like, Literally, that's what, uh, oh, is that what uh, he, Hammond calls I it. I bring scientists, you bring a rock star. That's right. That's right. That's right. They arrive at Jurassic Park. Oh, right? well, the, we, we can't skip that we get the amazing Jurassic Park theme for the first time. Oh, I'm sorry, please. Yes, sure. As they as we come in for the landing. As we come right? in for the landing. And very specifically in this landing, what happens to poor Dr. Grant? He gets a little bit nervous and has trouble with the seatbelt. So how does he fix it? He fixes it by tying the two ends of the seatbelt together. Two <laughs> female ends. Yeah, right, right. His so, and uh, the next. <laughs> one might say. Uh, oh. Life uh, finds a way. Oh, how dare you. Not, how dare I you. don't think it's an accident. I think Spielberg's 100% setting up that with, okay. with setting up that All the right. dinosaurs can procreate on their own. By having it be two female, it could have been two male ends. Sure, sure. Okay. It could have no, just I... been a broken thing and he tied it. Ugh. It's. I don't think it's a mistake. I think it's Spielberg being like, look, this is the foreshadowing of what we're going to find out about the dinosaurs in about, eh, about an hour. All right. We get a lot of information here, right? So as Dr. Hammond takes them through the facilities, we find out mm-hmm. exactly how we got here. And it's a brilliant bit of, you know, fictional science based on you know, some science, this idea that the mosquito we saw trapped in the amber at the mine um, in Costa Rica, we could extract the DNA of a dinosaur that it bit, right? And it's whose blood was in the mosquito. Mm -hmm. You could extract the DNA from that. And then using basically like gene modifications, you could modify amphibian DNA with these little snippets of dinosaur DNA to recreate dinosaurs in the modern age. Yes. Put a pin in that because we missed the scene where Casey gets emotional every time. Oh. The first time we see the Brachiosaurus. Oh, that's... Yes. Sure. Just the build and the music is so amazing and is so perfectly done Right, I mean, obviously, John Williams is a fucking genius. Of course, it's going to be ex- expertly done, but it, you know, slowly builds, slowly builds, slowly builds. Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sattler, welcome to Jurassic Park. And then we get to. He <laughs> was like, holy shit, what is dinosaurs? Yeah. <laughs> and. The dinosaurs. This is our first first seeing an actual, uh, actual, sure, air quotes, dinosaur in this movie. And holy shit, it holds up. And I watched this in 4K. Yeah, it really does hold up. It looks great. There's only one time where I'm like, all right, I can, yeah. And, but it's so quick and they move so quick. The uh, Gallimiases, when they're running, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, this is clearly, uh, <laughs> it's clearly computer generated. Right. Um, but it's daytime and it's moving fast. Sure, and sure. CG's only four years old, really, at this point. And and how like being used like this. And and so we referenced it earlier, right? So this is a this is a you know creature reveal. Mm-hmm. And how great that even like against type, it's a happy, excited reveal. It's a wondrous moment. Yeah. Every time it is a herbivore, it's always a wondrous moment. Sure. Anytime <laughs> it's a carnivore. Run, run, run. 
And I believe Steven Spielberg this himself is, the part where you run. is a vegetarian. Oh, really? I believe so. So I'm like, hey, Steven, get, get your politics out of this movie. Meat's delicious. <laughs> so, yes, like you said, they're using frog DNA to fill in the gaps. And this is where all you dino experts who are like, well, the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park, fuck you. They're not actually dinosaurs. They're not full-fledged dinosaurs. We fucked with the gene sequence by adding frog DNA. Therefore, these are hybrids. That's why they don't have feathers. That's why they're not brightly colored. That's all these things. In fact, they even go even further in Jurassic World with Wu. He talks about it. He says, you know, Hammond said to me, make them scarier, you know. It, mm. They fucked with the gene sequencing more. Now, that's a retcon at that point. But in this sure. movie, the reason the dinosaurs don't have feathers, look the way they do, ba-ba-ba, is because there's frog DNA in it. I cannot explain away in Jurassic Park 3 why suddenly velociraptors, males are blue and have blue feathers on their heads. That was just somebody not paying attention. <laughs> Okay. So we, we get a, a birth of a baby dino here. Yep. Um, because they break out of the, the ride. And Henry says... I hope they hatched before I had to go to the boat. And my question is, what the fuck would have happened if that baby velociraptor had hatched and no one was around? You bred raptors. Well, I, I think that that is... An, so Hammond is full of... You know, he's, he's, he's almost a Greek character, right? Like with his hubris... I mean, mm-hmm. you could very much make oh, yeah. the point that his hubris is the you know root cause of all this death and destruction. I just think they don't tell him, right? Like he doesn't fucking know, right? Like, well, no, not even that. No, it's an open air hatchery. There's nothing yeah. around it. If that Velociraptor had hatched while everyone was on the boat getting away from the hurricane, which was an actual plot device they had to put in the movie because a real hurricane hit the island. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, they all hunkered down and like Spielberg rented out an entire hotel so because they couldn't leave in time. And they all hunkered down like the ballroom, uh-huh. except for uh, Richard Attenborough, who just stayed asleep in his room. And when it was all over, like, how did you what, How did you sleep through that? He goes, my, my dear boy, I survived the blitz. I'm fine. <laughs> he was like, oh, my God, that's so great. Uh, no, but it's it's the fact that if it had hatched and no one was around, <laughs> you've got this little baby dinosaur just causing havoc. So in that high-tech hatchery, right, in that lab, um, my assumption is there were all kinds of protocols. Uh, if for some reason they had to do that, there was, you know, plexiglass domes that came down over the thing or, okay. so, you know, like, it, yeah, that was Look, open uh, because they were in there working on it. Also, again, I don't care. <laughs> okay, fair. Fair don't enough. Don't care. <laughs> Though, I will point out, Grant's holding the little baby at the end, and he's like, uh, he starts to kind of look at it, and he starts to recognize, and he asks Wu, what breed of dinosaur is this? And Wu is so, like, haphazard. It's a velociraptor. You bred raptors. Muldoon, if we are introduced to when they get to the raptor paddock, Muldoon's right. They should all be destroyed. If they're not on the tour and they're just being put in this cage, don't fucking breed them. This is the only, and this is the only thing I care about because it seems like the only reason they're bred is so they can cause havoc in a little bit <laughs> when everything gets shut down. Other than that, I don't understand why you would breed this. And I don't know why you would breed any carnivore from mm-hmm. any 
era of dinosaurs breed only the docile ones stegosauruses triceratops yeah you know I, I, again i think this is hammond's hubris yes right? like, I, I, be, I believe it is yeah, showing his hubris yeah. but but yeah. the fact that like you can see the t-rex on the tour the fact that there's no way to see these raptors why did you breed them sure, sure. there's no logical reason for it it bugs me and i <laughs> I don't know. Well, a character's faults can make you know, like that can be a valid reason, even if they're they're clearly wrong, right? So it's Hammond's hubris, you know, the the fact that he never, st- st- you know, uh, Doctor Malcolm will say it lo- later. Yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And that is Hammond, right? Like that that sentence is an indictment of. Hammond himself. And man, I'm going to have a hard time at the end of this picking the best scene. Because, yeah, you've got all these great yeah. action scenes. But this scene at at lunch, which nobody eats, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. Because <laughs> it looks like the chef took a really long time with that. I wanted to cut to the kitchen and they all come we back. spared no expense. But the, I wanted them all to come back and the chef to be like, I spent so long. I, <laughs> I waited. The hurricane's coming. I waited. You son of a bitch, Hammond. <laughs> but that scene, the scene between Sattler and Hammond, mm-hmm. I, I don't know which one I love more because they are like peak, peak Spielberg. Yeah. It's the boat. It's the, the scene on the boat talking about the, the Indianapolis yep. in, in Jaws. It's, God, it's so good. Yeah. Uh, you, you mentioned him earlier, right? What we should give the shout out. So Bob Peck is the British actor who plays Muldoon. And he oh, is just so a delight. Good. Like he's a, yes, obviously he's an actor. He's been in a bunch of stuff, but like he just looks like this is his job. Yeah, <laughs> not even like not even like a animal wrangler. He just looks like a fucking dinosaur wrangler. Yes. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Yes. This makes sense to me. Oh wow, uh, actor Sir Ian McKellen has credited Peck as being the actor from whom Ian McKellen, uh, Sir Ian, has learned the most. Oh, wow, I can see their acting styles pretty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Bob Peck does not have a lot of movie credits, like fifty. No, he's some. a theater actor mostly. A, yeah. yeah, stage. Yeah. Oh, it's acting oh, for the Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah, he passed. He passed in ninety nine. He was only, he was only fifty three. Died of cancer that he had been fighting oh. for a number of years. Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Oh, that's sad. He's great in this. Uh, he's a favorite. He's, so he's definitely a favorite character. You know, you got you got him, and then in the next one, you got Pete Pottlesweight. Pottlesweight? Is that how you say his last uh, name? Postlewaight. Pete Postlewaight. Postlewaight. Yeah. As pretty much like the anti-Muldoon. And it's just, it's so fun to see the, I wish there had been a way to, I mean, obviously, oh no, he's, yeah, he is in two. But I wish there had been a scene. Well, there couldn't have been. Muldoon died in this yeah. movie. But <laughs> I wish there could. I wish they hadn't killed him, or he had like fought the Velociraptor off because he's a badass yeah. motherfucker. That's right. <laughs> he comes crawling back. He's got its. Uh, he's he's wearing its uh, pelt as a as a form of <laughs> he's just wearing camouflage. The, he's wearing its head as a hat. He's like ah, like Ben, uh, like in uh, Tropic Thunder. Tropic Thunder, <laughs> the panda. Yeah. <laughs> I killed the most majestic creature in the world. Oh, my God. You killed a hooker. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Move it along, guys. So Muldoon has been introduced. We are then introduced to oh. Lex and Tim. Uh, the biggest thing about Lex and Tim that's different from the books, their ages are the opposite in the book. 
Oh, okay. Lex is the younger, Tim is the older. They switched it because the screenwriters didn't think it would make sense for a little girl to be able to be a hacker. (laughs) Sexism. (laughs) Which is so weird because this movie spends so much time breaking down a lot of sexist barriers that we had in Hollywood. Like, Grant, Grant becomes the mother to these kids. Yeah. Yeah. He he's caring, he's nurturing, and this is 93 when this shit didn't happen. Well, the cynic would say it's okay for men to break rules, women don't, right? <laughs> that would you know, the, the cynic that's what the cynic would say. But we get that with Sattler. Sattler is the one that saves everybody. Sure. I mean, this movie breaks a lot of barriers. It's so so weird like back to West Side Story for a second that people are pissed that anybody's who is a character who's supposed to be kind of a tomboy-type character, I believe is is a uh, transgender person in the movie and okay. is played as such. Mm-hmm. And I just, I've tried to stay away from him as much as possible because I know the script is so different mm-hmm. and I don't want anything to be spoiled. But people like went up in arms like, Steven Spielberg's become woke. I'm like, have you watched Jurassic Park? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's you- 93 and our rough and tumble lead becomes the mother character and our female becomes pretty much fucking Ripley at the end of this film. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Um, at least Ripley in alien. Sure. <laughs> Not so much in aliens, but she still, you know, gets the job done when she needs to. And Lexi and Tim are Hammond's grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And Tim, Oh, poor, poor Joe Mazzello. God, I'm sure he's a wonderful person, but he's obnoxious as fuck in this movie. <laughs> um, what is so? I've seen him in something. Isn't oh, that's what it was. Uh, in Bohemian Rhapsody, he plays Queen's bassist John Deacon. Does he really? I still yeah. haven't seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, Bohemian Rhapsody is a great movie. I it's, know. It's, I know. I own really it. Really I just I never got around to watching it. I oh, just, watch it. It's really, really good. One fun thing to point out, just to timestamp this movie. Yeah. We heard about this thing in Omni, about this um, meteor making all this heat, and it made a bunch of diamond dust, and that changed the weather, and they died because of the weather. That is definitively what killed the dinosaurs, the meteor in Mexico, because they thought it might be disease, famine, uh-huh. Uh, that the meteor like scorched the sky and killed all the rain for a long time. In fact, in either Fantasia or Fantasia 2000, that's how it's played in that. Or we never really knew, but you, if you see an aerial shot of where this uh, meteor hit in Mexico, you mm-hmm. can literally see the ripple still 65 million years later of wow. it popping out. And you're like, oh shit, <laughs> yeah, that. That did some damage. I, I would point out there are a couple more characters. Uh, oh. Actually, one more character to introduce. Oh, would that be... Hold on to your butts. Samuel L. Jackson? <laughs> the motherfucker that, that would be. So, Arnold, who is... Uh, Mr. Arnold. Mr. Not Arnold. His, his, not, his first name is not Arnold. Hey. Mr. Arnold, uh, who is... I, so, Nedry is the IT guy, and yeah. Mr. Arnold is... I'm not sure what Mr. Arnold's title what? is, because he's also wearing a lab coat, which is confusing. Yeah. I believe he is the overseer of everything. Yeah. Is like, almost like... The general manager? Par- or park maintenance manager. I don't know what his job is. I'm sure it's explained in the book. Yeah. Um, because this character is in the book and meets the exact same fate yeah. that he does here. <laughs> and it is totally uh, fucked up. <laughs> you, you talked about timestamp. 
it doesn't bother me. And I, you know, I, I think the current view on it is a little bit overboard, but timestamp or, you know, setting this at a moment in time, Mr. Arnold chain smokes like a fiend in this, right? Do we ever see him without a cigarette in his hand or his mouth? No. Well, yeah. one scene, and it's when he gives the most serious bit of news to yeah. Hammond. <laughs> right, right, right. And I'm sure right afterwards he's like, anyway. And well, well, so you can get away with that kind of stuff now, but this movie would be rated R solely for that. that. And, and which is silly, which is, is silly. silly. It is silly. Yes, exactly. At this time, there was a cartoon camel pushing cigarettes. So I get why we've pushed it another way. But if anyone lights a cigarette it's an overcorrection, I, yeah, I think we've come back a little more like uh, Constantine on Legends of Tomorrow. You never actually see him light the cigarette, but he's got a cigarette and that doesn't get a TV MA, which is the equivalent of an R. So I don't know. I think we're we're coming back to the you don't have to give everything an R just because someone lights a cigarette. We shouldn't have uh what Robin Williams character is reacting to in Mrs. Doubtfire, right? The Tweety Bird mm-hmm. like we shouldn't well, well enjoying... we shouldn't have that cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think and I think that's the thing. If you're gonna show smoking in a in a movie, it doesn't have to get an R rating, but don't make it sexy. Yeah, that's fine. Because guess what, kids? Smoking isn't sexy. <laughs> the voice you're now hearing is Richard Kiley. <laughs> we spared no expense. They go out on the on the tour. On, on the tour. Nothing goes right. <laughs> yeah. They don't see the Dilophosaurus. They don't see a T-Rex. The layout of the T-Rex paddock is questionable. We will get back to it when we actually talk about it in the attack. Okay. That's all not going well. Uh, we get a fun little Malcolm. Uh, now, now, eventually, you do plan to have dinosaurs... On your on your dinosaur tour, right? Hello? Hello? Yes? Hammond's reaction when Malcolm is breaking his balls. I really hate that man. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's so chipper and fun up to mm-hmm. this point in the movie. And he's just like, you're breaking me, my spirit, man. Why are you mm-hmm. doing this? The balls on Ian Malcolm yes. to flirt with Sadler. doesn't know that Grant and Sadler are a couple. He finds that out later, but his reaction is not one of surprise. It's one of, I thought so, but I wasn't sure. And I say, well, man, that's fucked up. Um, see, I don't think that he's being disingenuous in the sense of like he's portraying himself as something he's not. I think that is simply the way he looks at life. Yeah, like, I, life I've is, ever, if if you don't have like he's uh, Beyonce, if you like it, you should have put a ring on it. Uh, <laughs> yes, one hundred percent. And also, you can see Jeff Goldblum flirting with Laura, Laura Dern, L- with Laura Dern. Like yeah. this isn't Ian Malcolm flirting with Ellie Sattler. Oh, you're it saying is, Jeff Goldblum is. The little tug on the hair, the way he touches her hand. They dated for like three years after this movie. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, so like he, they're I, clearly like going to the trailers while making this movie. Well, I, I think Dr. Malcolm is an Epicurean. He, a, a person <laughs> who is devoted to sensual enjoyment. I just think I, I think I, I I think that is uh, Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's him. That's him breathing life into the character. Absolutely. Uh huh. They're on this tour, and all of a sudden they hear this like bellow. Grant looks out into a field. He goes out the door. Nobody could have predicted that Dr. Grant would suddenly suddenly jump out of a moving vehicle. Alan. And there's uh, another example. See, here I am now by myself. Uh, uh, talking to myself. That's that's chaos theory. They find a very sick triceratops 
when they all get there, something I, I never noticed until I have it in 4K, Sattler cries. Single tear comes down her face when not. she's down in front of it. And you're just like, oh, this was lost to standard definition. Mm. It's so beautiful. That, wow. That, because honestly, if I saw a real fucking dinosaur, yeah. like a real dinosaur, I would probably cry. Depending on the species, it might be in joy or terror. <laughs> but I would totally have that same reaction of, oh my God, it's a dinosaur. Holy shit. Yeah. Here. Now, do you understand why the Triceratops is sick? Yes. Uh it was eating a it was eating a plant that is poisonous. And poisonous poisonous, not venomous, right? Uh poisonous meaning uh it is toxic when ingested. The triceratops, uh, and it's on a six-week cycle. So I'm not sure if there's supposed to be some kind of a flowering cycle of the plant. No, it is. And they're completely speculating on this, that because they were herbivores, their teeth weren't as sharp, so they would um, swallow stones like some other animal does this. Swallow stones to be able to chew stuff up while it's digesting it, and the stones would rub and rub, and then they would pass them, yep. and they'd go to eat, and they wouldn't be able to... to um, they would forget to get the the stones, and they would eat, and the stones wouldn't be able to do the work, and they would get sick that way. That's why it's a six week cycle, because the stones have worn down enough. Oh, oh, yeah. I believe um, that's right out of the book that I'm remembering it, but I know it's it's explained in other things. I'm searching that Tricera tummy ache. Okay. Yeah, in the original book upon which the film is based, we find out the stones it eats are too close. Oh, so it is not oh, it, eating. It is not eating that right. It the does, West it's not Indian eating. lilac berries. The stones are too close. So the so the berries like you've got berries dropping on the stones falling. Yeah, it's, it knows it's poisonous, but it doesn't know oh. that the stones. Yeah, the West Indian lilac is part of it, but the stones are grinding it grinding it up so much in that first that it's not going to show up in their droppings. Got it, got it, got it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's a great little. Oh, that's brilliant. And again, I mean, you know, yeah, I would say Michael Crichton. <laughs> you know, Michael Crichton, who has an MD. Mm-hmm. He, uh, that's so why he there's wrote, ER. Right. Exactly. I don't know that he ever. I don't know that he ever practiced as a physician. Yes, uh, ER he was did based because, on his time in medical school. Right, John, uh, Carter, the character Carter is is Noah Wiley's character is supposed to be him. Really. Yeah, I believe so. If I remember correctly, it's based because it's based on his first year of med school. Yeah, yeah. So, I, so he never. Uh, let's see, he did not practice medicine. He chose to mm-hmm. focus on his writing. Got it. Okay, okay. So, um, well, probably yeah. you know when that uh, escaped um, schizophrenic uh, stabbed. <laughs> no way. I'm sorry. He, that's yeah, actually yeah. ER. That's not. That's not Michael. Crichton. That's right. That's right. Um, but again, I, you know, I think that's part and parcel of the way in which he writes stories. I, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan of his stuff. It's really, really mm-hmm. good. So uh, while this is all going on, we go back to the command center, and Nedry is, uh, you know, Nedry's talking to a video. They're making it seem like he's on a video conference call with this person. But if you look at the bottom of the video screen, yeah, there's a bar going by. It's a fucking video. No kidding. You couldn't get rid of that with how much money did this movie have to make? 
$61 million? <laughs> You're telling me you couldn't find a way to get rid of that bar. You couldn't go to Apple and be like, hey, how do we get rid of this bar? <sighs> um, I'm a pedantic nerd. He is basically like trying to work out the detail, the, the finishing touches of his heist, right? Like he's, yeah. he, see, he has a plan where because of his control over the entire park, the computers, right, that, that <laughs> runs everything, he's going to basically selectively disable some, some, some systems, steal the embryos, and get to the dock and leave on the boat. Yeah. Well, the, the, yeah. Like with almost the like, yeah. Almost like Billy Zane on uh, the Titanic, kind of mm-hmm. like pulling his, uh, you know, his hat down, trying to avoid direct eye contact. And what get could the fuck go wrong? Yeah, nothing, nothing. So as Dr. Grant, Dr. Sattler, uh, Dr. Malcolm, Gennaro, and the kids prepare to take the official Jurassic Park tour. No, to come back because they're ending the tour for the day. Because the hurricane's coming in too much. They've got to end the tour. Oh, that's right. That's Sattler right. Sattler stays because right. she wants to look over the Triceratops a little more. And while they're heading back, which I don't know how, if the Ford Explorers are on an electric track that goes one way, how they got them to go back the other way. Because <laughs> they go back by the Transformers paddock. <laughs> well, it's not like a tram. I mean, they're cars, but they're just supposed to be Isn't computer. because there's a tram line running underneath I them. think that's supposed to be like... That's what's guiding. This is way before Tesla, right? Self-navigating. Yeah, but how? I think that's telling the car the track, but they take over local how? control. The steering wheel is covered by a giant piece of plastic. There must be a return Todd, to. Todd, this is what we call in the movie business a plot hole. <laughs> okay, or, or nerd fight. There is a return to base function that allows <laughs> but why, the car. Then to, it should. Then it should go. The rest of the route. It shouldn't go back the other way. It seems stupid for it to re- turn around. Not if you're closer to the mm. entrance than you mm. If it's a loop and you're closer to the beginning, I don't know. Listen, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there it is. Does, yep. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> okay. doesn't really bother right. me. It's just weird. I do want to point out while Nedry is doing all his dastardliness, the music that plays underneath will timestamp the episode of when it came out. When I would play Doom, I would uh, turn down the shitty music that was on the game itself and just yep. play Nedry Steals the Embryos over and over and over again. Because <laughs> that's the kind of nerd I am. Uh, that's great. In addition to the bad actor, and I don't mean as a bad thespian, but the the person doing the bad things, Nedry, uh-huh. we've also got uh, this storm to deal with. And it's a variety of circumstances leading to, uh, to bad things. So as Nedry abandons his post, starts shutting down the systems, stealing the embryos, um, the rest of the group are... Oh, wait, wait. Sattler doesn't get back in the... She's, no, she's with the, she, like, stays, she stays with the, the other guy because he's got a gas right, chief. The field crew. He doesn't... Right, right, yeah. right, right. So there is no plot hole. Yes, there is. Geek fight. The what Ford Explorers, not the Jeep. The Ford Explorers that yeah. are electric that run on the track at the beginning of the tour. Yep. He says this runs on an automated track. How do they get them to turn around to go back the way they came? They're on a one-way track. Okay. Got it? Got it. Okay. <laughs> I do. I don't... Th- it's yes. a okay. plot hole. Got it. Okay. That's fair. I hear you. Oh, you fucker. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, Nedry escapes. <laughs> the rain is not really helping him. And he's not what you would call handy. Oh, God. Uh, I do want to point out when he hits the East Dock sign and he's spinning it, yep. trying to figure out which way he should go, just go left. He, it's, pain, it's pointing left before he hits it. I've seen this movie so many oh. fucking times. <laughs> I'm just like, it's pointing left. Just turn left, man. I love the idea that he has clearly been there a while because he's like written every line of code, right? <laughs> he he's, doesn't know where de- the park yeah. Yes. That's what I love about him. Exactly. The, the only thing there is that it's pouring rain, so he might not recognize it as much. And have you have you looked at Nedry? He probably doesn't get out that much. He doesn't enjoy the yeah. fresh air as much as <laughs> he, he should. Not. Have you checked the vending machines? Yeah, check the vending machine. Which for a long time <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a horrible fat joke. But he says he's going to the vending machines. So yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get to uh, the the T Rex. Because okay, holy shit! Every I've seen this movie seventy times. I mean, this movie yeah. was was a VHS that was on a lot in my household. I yeah, still yeah. get nervous during that. I know who's going to survive and who's going to die in this scene. And I'm still like, this is perennially ranked as one of the great like movie jump scares, right? Oh, when the, when the T-Rex, when the T-Rex breaks through the, like, you know, that when that happens or the, or the reveal, the reveal, um, not when it breaks, when it, but yeah, because it's it not roars really a, outside before it breaks through, where, right? where it bashes through the top. Yeah, after the after the goat, yeah, or the goat's oh, leg it bashing yeah. through the the plexiglass on the top. Did you catch that the plexiglass? Yeah, that's half broke in half, and so those kids' screams are one hundred percent genuine because it was not supposed to. <laughs> and then oh, it's kept no. in the movie because it's so good. Yeah, so the the Nedry. Turns off the power. They're stuck right in front of the T-Rex paddock. And at one point, um, Lex looks out because they're trying to coax the T-Rex out before. Looks out. Where's the goat? goat sma- half the goat smashes on top of the goat. There's, well, there's part of the leg. And then there's we see yeah. the T-Rex chomping it down. It realizes the le- the fence is electrified. It starts to walk through it. There's so many great moments of horror and humor in this. Like uh, when Grant and Malcolm are watching her roar at the um, Ford Explorer, and it shows Grant, and he's terrified, and then it cuts mm-hmm. over to Malcolm, and he's cleaning the fog out in front of him. <laughs> um, also, a, a fun time stamp for the time this movie is made, when Tim finds the night vision goggles, and Gennaro's... Are they heavy? Yeah. Then they're expensive. Put them back. It's the exact opposite <laughs> these days. It's got to be light to be expensive. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, the T-Rex flips over. Oh, uh, Gennaro freaks out. He runs out of the car, runs over to the bathroom. Now where does he think he's going? When you got to go, you got to go. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, everyone knows about the guitar string for the water. We don't need to really spend a whole lot of time on that, on how they got that to work. Well, now that you've said that, I do not. Oh, so when the T-Rex is first coming in okay. and you hear the booms yes, and we know that it's coming and the, right. um, the water is, is flickering. Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. was in his car listening to Earth, Wind and Fire and it was shaking the, uh, the mirrors. He was playing it that loud. He called his uh, yeah. production team. It's like, hey, I'm in my car right now. Earth, Wind and Fire was blaring and uh, my, my rear view mirror was shaking so hard. I want that to happen when the T-Rex comes. Like, oh, yeah, it's simple. You know, put a gyro in it and it vibrates. And it, it, yeah, that's an easy one. He goes, and yeah. I also want the water uh, that they have in their cups to, to shake too. And they're like, 
went a little harder. So <laughs> one night, the, one of the guys was <laughs> staying late and was trying to figure it out and decided to take his guitar out to just kind of get some of his stress out. And he's watching the guitar strings he's like, oh, wait, takes a cup of water, puts it on the thing and plucks the strings and figures out at a certain frequency, yeah. you know, hey, it makes that that bloop that you need. And there's literally a guitar string underneath the uh, cup Come of water, on. and that's what's making that happen. Mm-hmm. Just doing that little... So I guess we did that's have to spend brilliant. a minute on that's <laughs> <good>. <laughs> uh, yeah, So right. uh, the kid's car gets flipped over. Grant grabs a flare. He, he Because in this movie, they're like, oh, T-Rexes can't see movement. And scientists have come out and be like, no, we don't think that's accurate, but that's okay. It's a plot device. Who cares? Uh, He distracts it, throws the flare back into the paddock. She's going for it. The T-Rex is going for it. So Grant saves it. Well, she has turned and... it's looking. It's she's yeah, turned, but she's, she's not moving. She's her. just looking. Oh that yeah, way. she's deaf. I mm, think okay. uh, Ian didn't have to do shit in the scene. He could have stayed in the car. And you know that probably makes sense. If the, if if that was something he suggested day of, then you would have needed. Mm-hmm. Just since they probably already started rendering the T Rex doing that, and I'm sure at this point, like this got is it, going in it. the movie. <laughs> <laughs> this took us four weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Because the production of this. Uh, I believe pre-production on this started before the book came out. They bought the rights and they started pre-production because they knew really? what they had to get done. Yeah. yeah. So that's three years pre-production on this thing. That's insane. And freeze! Malcolm lights a flare. He's waving it and uh, he throws it and uh, oh. you know the T-Rex is the smart lady. She's figured it out. She's like, no, no, no. I don't want that. You look delicious. I'm coming for you. Chases him to the bathrooms knocks him unconscious into the the bathroom, goes flying everywhere. <laughs> Poor Gennaro's sitting on the crapper, terrified, and uh the T-Rex chomp chomps him. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so cool on the on the documentary I was watching yesterday on this, it shows that they had a stunt person actually hooked to a rig and was lifted off the toilet no seat. And then they kind of mixed it together to make it her lifting him off and then mm-hmm. shaking him all Shake over. Shake and bake. Yeah. Oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome. <laughs> it's so good. I mean, it's still it still holds up. I mean, it's oh God, there's every bit of it. Yeah. The T-Rex roar is fantastic. It is a bear, a walrus, uh, a lion, and some other weird animal is in there. I can't remember what there's like five animals. Yeah, I've 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 heard that. Um, it was a combination of a baby elephant squeal, an alligator gurgling. That's probably when it's getting real close, and then uh, a tiger snarl plus a lion. And its breath is a whale's blow. Yes. Yep. That's wild. And also, before the scientists come after us, T-Rexes probably didn't roar. They most likely cooed, hooted, and made a deep-throating, booming sound. Like the modern-day emu. Because like Dr. Grant said at the beginning of this movie, dinosaurs didn't become lizards. They became birds. (laughs) We have pretty much proven that fact, that birds are the natural descendants of dinosaurs more than uh, lizards. A little more science for you. This whole sequence is just great. Grant gets the kids, gets Lex out of the, the car. Uh, the 
Mama T-Rex has now turned its gaze towards them because Lex, of course, has screamed. I love when it's turning the flipped over um, Explorer and it goes and bites one of the tires because it kind of moves a little. It's like, hey, you stop moving. Hey, hey. Uh, Well, have you seen that video? Uh, I saw it a few months ago. It was a little bit of a viral clip of a a guy in a pickup truck Uh going through like a marshy area. And there's like an alligator. And he's kind of fucking with it, and it like chomps over and bites the tire, and oh, yeah. fucking goes right through the tire. You can almost hear the guy like, "Oh fuck!" <laughs> like, "Oh, that happened." <laughs> yeah, I'm stuck here with this alligator that's hungry and pissed off now. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, alligator bites are what? How many pounds of pressure? It's it's an insane amount. It's got to be hundreds. I mean, I know from my time as a dog handler, a dog's jaws can exert like a better than 100 pounds of pressure per square inch an alligator's got to be hundreds holy shit holy shit times that by 10 it's 2980 pounds per square inch of force the highest reading ever wow. was a 17 foot saltwater crocodile at 3700 pounds per square inch That's of force crazy Fuck, and people fuck with these animals all the time. Lord. Leave them alone. They are dinosaurs. <laughs> Let them be. <laughs> we have also proven that fact that they were alive at the same time as dinosaurs. They just survived because they went underwater. Okay, so you just shared the alligator and crocodile bite PSI. I found an uh-huh. article that estimated the the uh, the force of a T-Rex bite. Ooh. So... Uh, it's got to be tens of thousands. Uh, like so, you said the uh, the alligator was in the in the high two thousands. Uh, cr- a crocodile mm-hmm. high two thousand nine hundred eighty in the yeah. salt water croc thirty seven hundred up up in that range. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. The T Rex has been estimated at twelve thousand eight hundred psi, and the estimated bite force of the now extinct quote limousine crocodile, which must have been a ginormous one was estimated to be 23,000 PSY. <laughs> Holy so that shit. was from an article uh, on animals.mom.com, an article by Kat Walden. Holy crap. <laughs> Can you imagine that? That is insane. <laughs> I'm looking up limousine crocodiles just to, you know, scare the shit out of myself. I'm sure these things are, oh my God. <laughs> Holy shit. Is that like the Meg? It's the Meg of crocodiles. This thing was as big as a T-Rex. Fuck me. Oh, my God. No fucking thank you. These things lived on Earth. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Uh, I mean, granted, they lived here 82 million years ago. But good Lord. Still, fuck me. And uh, Betty White was so old, she was um, uh, raising one as a pet in uh, Lake Placid. If I had a dick, this is where I'd tell you to suck it. Car goes over the edge of the um, embankment, this very large embankment, uh, right where the T Rex had come through. Have you figured out where I'm going with this yet? Yes. How does the T Rex walk up to the? Because it doesn't yeah. jump over; it's standing there and then just saunters over after it breaks it. But again, before we go any further, I don't care. You don't I care. just want to point it out. In my head, canon, there's a there's like one. Sp- specific spot and and again you know what maybe this is because it this is on the ride and they want people to see the t-rex there is essentially one approach which is right where the 
the goat is going to get staked out. But that's the only place that it can approach the fence. Car goes through is where she came through. Okay. So it doesn't it, make sense. And I believe both Spielberg and the production team were just like, oh, well. <laughs> like, <laughs> the rest of the movie is pretty fucking great. That's fair. Uh, R.I.P. Let's, let's, let's. Run through a couple of things here. R.I.P. Yeah. Nedry uh, by the very terrifying Dilophosaurus, which also they did not have a venom sack. This is all just for the oh. movie. Oh, it didn't have a neck frill either. No, Dilophosaurus has had neither. The only thing that I want to say about when Nedry slips in the water, do you catch the cartoon uh-huh. whistle that happens? The, no. Yeah, I'm like, that's not necessary <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> so Nedry dies. The car has gone down a bunch of trees, and we think possibly Tim's dead, too. So at this sure. point in the movie, Malcolm may be dead. Gennaro's definitely dead. Um, Nedry, definitely dead. Tim, possibly dead. Thankfully, we find out very quickly, Tim, not so dead. Only mostly dead. The bean left pretty early into me watching this this afternoon. Oh, uh, isn't that disappointing? It is. But she came back, and she saw this scene. I'm like, wait a minute, Bean. I because she came in right when he said I threw up, so I rewound yeah. it. I'm like, there are a handful of moments in cinema that I distinctly remember being in the theater and being there for the reaction, and this was one of them. So I rewound <laughs> it and we watched it. And when he goes, I threw up, <laughs> the bean goes, hey, he threw up. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I'm like, yeah, I, it's I hilarious. Tr- <laughs> I've tried to get Joe and Jack to watch this. They are not interested. Oh God, I'm so, so disappointed. Yeah. Tim, I won't tell anyone you threw up. Just, just give me a hand. And then I, I love at the end of this whole sequence of as he's getting Tim out of the car, the plastic shield has come off the steering wheel. He grabs it, turning the wheel, less uh, creating slippage. It starts falling, mm-hmm. starts falling. They get to the bottom. Ford Explorer falls down, falls on top of them. But since the T-Rex took out the top of the uh, Explorer, it falls on them, no problem. Nobody's hurt. And Tim's... Well, we're back in the car. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> so Sattler and Muldoon head out to get the kids because the power's been out for far too long. They have figured out that they need to restart the system. They go out to do that. They get to the bathroom and great air quotes show of violence here. We mm-hmm. never see anything, but we know that Gennaro's death not only was violent from the T-Rex bite, but he was torn into. Yes. I think this was Gennaro. I think this was too. <laughs> and they're a good 15 feet away from each other. <laughs> and it also shows who's been, who's seen violence in like the... I'm assuming the outback and the the African plains and stuff. Yep. Muldoon's just like, yeah, I think this was a person at once. And Sattler's just like, I'm going to vomit everywhere right now. <laughs> it's um, <laughs> it's Dreyfus in Jaws. <laughs> yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. So, yeah. So, we've got Grant, uh, Lex, and Tim together. We've got Malcolm. Remind me to thank John for a lovely weekend. Muldoon and... Sattler together. I always thought when they're up in the tree, when Grant and the kids are up in the tree. Right. Where they're going to spend the night. Yeah. I always thought when, because again, lost to standard definition, when they're falling asleep and and Lex is kind of like, oh no, I can't fall asleep. And Grant's like, I'll stay up all night. I thought showing the Velociraptor claw was him <laughs> falling asleep, was showing he was falling asleep. Oh. In 4K, he throws it. It is symbolism of this isn't part of my life anymore mm. you know 
Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm assuming that's what it, Spielberg is going for, but in standard definition, I always thought it was a little past the time happens, he drops it, everyone's going to sleep safe, and then we get this chase. Must go faster. The only problem is the the visual joke of the T Rex coming at them, and it says on the mirror, objects and mirror are closer than they appear. Yep, that's not on the driver's side. It's only on the passenger side because of distance. <laughs> driver's side never says that. I mean, it's a funny little gag, but who cares? Uh, like I said, the Sattler Hammond uh, scene where he's talking about the flea circus. Yep. Just, it's so good. It's so, everything about it is just fucking wonderful. I, yeah. It's it's two really fantastic actors just getting a moment to show off their chops. Yeah, it's a little bit of a complex. Like, there's a lot of things happening plot-wise. Like, I Mm -hmm. like the different kind of, um, essentially, goals that each of these groups has. And the movie does a really nice job of continuing to kind of move things, build tension, establish stakes. while shifting from all. Yeah, it never drags. And it's never unclear what's happening or why each group is doing each thing. It's really, really well put together. Like maybe this scene between Sattler and Hammond to a kid. Like I'm, I, I am assuming probably when I was twelve when this came out, I might sure. have been like, "Can we have more dinosaurs, get... please?" Yeah, yeah. But yeah. as an as a as an adult and beyond that first viewing, I'm like, "Holy shit, this!" Is oh, cool. you need this. Yeah, 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 yeah. hundred percent. Commander. Where are we? We seem to be stuck in an alternate dimension. And you're no longer a captain, you're a commander. Commander. Dear God, are you a lieutenant? And why are you talking like that? Oh no, I don't I don't know why I'm talking like that. But no, I seem uh, to have no rank! Only the title of Doctor? I don't think there are admirals either. Captain! I mean Commander, I mean. Look, Casey, we are getting a message. It seems we have been tasked with reviewing a historical document entitled Galaxy Quest? Then there's no moment to spare. Engage! I, I, I don't think um, Night Shift Radio Legal has cleared usage of engage, so you might want to just dial oh. that back there. So. All right. Well, then, I guess it's up to us to say, join us over on the Where No Mom Has Gone Before podcast as we review 1999's Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Mom! Is my microphone working? It is. Hello, everyone. My name is Pat Benson, and I'm here to tell you about my new show, Crossed Wires. It's for music lovers, but especially those who are into the tech side of things. Join me as I talk about guitars, electronic instruments and equipment, and conduct gear demonstrations as well as interviews with artists going through their creative process. My first episode, 10 Years is a Decade, is out now. Join in as I try to unravel a mystery that has swept the gear community. It's known as the 10 Years Pedal and I demonstrate it on a guitar, bass, synthesizer, and a drum machine. I even get the help of some of my friends in The Strokes, Paramore, and Josh Scott of GHS Pedals to try to get to the bottom of who makes this elusive pedal. To listen and subscribe to the show, head on over to nsradio slash crosswires. That's nsrad.io slash crossed wires. All right, that's it. That's what my show's about. 
So next morning, Grant and the kids are walking through a field. They see yep. Dilemias. Dil- no, no. Uh, Gallum. Gallum. Gallimimus. 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 Okay. Gallimimus. Some dinosaurs. And I just yeah. love his. Like wheeling uniform direction changes just like a flock of birds evading a predator. Just love Tim's reaction. Big eyes. They're, uh, they're flocking this way. <laughs> <laughs> they go running. They're almost trampled by this flock of dinosaurs, mm-hmm. but they find a tree branch and that, or a, a, not even a tree branch, excuse me. It's like a fallen tree, like a, a side log. of yeah. yeah. And it's good that that's there because who comes running out of the bushes? Mama T Rex, oh. and she's hungry. Visually, like what a great scene that is. As it's like going to town on, you know, feeding on the mm-hmm. flock. Yeah, yeah. You know, for a second, Grant becomes quote unquote in 1993 standards dad again yep. because Tim's really like, oh, it's so cool. He's like, yeah, look at that. And Lex's like, I'm going to go now. Just look how it eats. Please. But you never look at birds the same way again. Yes. And then she says, and he's like, this is not something kids should see. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, re- he, re- he recognizes. Keep blowing for me. And I love Tim's. Look how much blood. <laughs> Tim's a little dark. Tim's a little dark. A little dark. Yeah, yeah. Back with the compound people, they shut everything down on Jurassic Park to try and get rid of the virus that, that Nedry has set. And they boot everything back up. It works to a point. It, Casey, if you're having tech problems, what is the very first thing you try? You try turning it off and turning yeah, it back on again. Exactly, and, and that's exactly what the plan is. It's step one. <laughs> I Listen, I do it with every piece of technology in this house. You're not working? I'm going to turn you off, turn you back on, see what happens. Yep. Yep. Oh, that didn't work? Well, fuck. <laughs> if I hit it with a hammer. Yeah, um, if it didn't work, my check is usually, wait, did I turn off? everything right like <laughs> oh i turned off the tv but i turned didn't turn off the sound bar let me turn off the sound bar and reset that oh there you go yeah yeah, yeah. yeah it seems 100%. like we went to the same it school yeah, yeah. <laughs> clearly clearly mr arnold's like i gotta go to the other side of the enclosure three minutes i'll have everything back up i love the subtle you don't know how much time has passed mm-hmm. but you know a lot of time has passed because a they're down there they go down to this bunker. When they opened Disneyland in 1956, nothing worked. Yeah, but John, if the Pirates of the Caribbean breaks down, the pirates don't eat the tourists. Sattler is like, I can't wait anymore. Something went wrong. I'm going to go get the power back on. I love Hammond's. Well, don't be too hasty. I mean, he's only been gone. He looks at his watch and just stops talking because he knows Oh, shit, he's, he's been, been gone, gone a really long yeah, time. That's right, that's right. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. such a great little moment. So they grab the, some guns, which uh, we've talked about pre-recording. Yep. But I do want to point out this very cool-looking shotgun <laughs> that everything else we've searched has made it go away. Fuck. Oh, there it was. Which is a Franchi SPAS-12. It is a 12-gauge shotgun with, uh, looks like it's, like almost like a tactical version of it with a uh, uh, shoulder protector. Yeah, so they, that's a folding stock. A folding right? st- so it allows you to extend the stock so you can so you can snug it up against your shoulder, which Muldoon does later. And I'm a little bit annoyed at that. He should have done it before I, he uh, entered yeah, that scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess the idea is that w- without that, it's it's more mobile. Um, and then he wants to take the precise shot when he. You know, has the raptor in his 
sights, I guess. But what is this thing shooting out? Is it shooting out a slug or is it shooting out buckshot? Well, my assumption would be it's a slug. We're, oh, right, because when Grant shoots it, you see the three slugs in the uh, in the window. Well, then that means he fired it three times. He does fire it three times. Oh, then yes, then that's his, yeah. Then those are slugs. <laughs> he like, fires it three times. Oh, do you hear? Oh, you hear we, three shots because we we see Hammond reacting to the sound of the shots mm-hmm. through the radio. Got it. Okay. Yep. Which some people think when that happens, he yells, "Don't!" No, he yells, "Grant!" Grant. Oh, he's, he yeah. oh, yeah. doesn't know what's happening. Yeah, he's yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. But people are like, no, he yells, "Don't!" I'm like, why, why would he, he yell, "Don't?" Because he's one of the dinosaurs. I'm like, no, that makes no, zero no, sense. You just yeah. yeah, you shut the fuck up right now. Okay. Muldoon's going to go across with Ellie, and sexism aside, Hammond's whole, like, I should be going, I would have been like, dude, sexism aside, if I was a, uh, either identifying as a female or was actually female, I'd be like, you walk with a cane. <laughs> no, you're not doing right, this. <laughs> right, 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 right. Has nothing to do with, uh, with reproductive gender. organs. Yeah, yeah. This has to do with the fact that I can walk it's fine. Ability. Exactly, exactly. They're walking through. Muldoon stops. <sighs> We can make it if we run. No, we can't. Why not? Because we're being hunted. In the bushes straight ahead. And I love her running away, running into the log, doing like a gymnastic move off that thing, except for the fact that it's very clearly a stunt woman because the wig they put on her <laughs> is like a fucking dollar store wig. Yep. She gets down there. Uh, before we continue with that, uh, Muldoon is uh, killed, much like uh, Grant described in the beginning. He's following the one in front of him. That's when the attack comes. Not from the front, but from the side. The other two raptors didn't even know we're there. Clever girl. Like, is there a better death line? That, that's I, I think you'd there. be hard pressed. You'd be hard pressed to find. But yeah, it's this is definitely in the top ten. Absolutely. To, to put it simply, it is game recognizing game. Like he's like, yeah, yeah, I'm about to die, but good for you. You got me. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ellie's in there. She's on the radio. She gets everything powered back up. She's so excited. And this is our true jump scare of the movie. Mr. Hammond, I think we're back in business. <laughs> The raptor popping through, which one of the interviews was um, was Laura Dern, and she's like, you know, I let my imagination go, but I was genuinely terrified when that thing popped out. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, of course you were. Yeah, it's great. And that scene, um, you know, she's limping, but she doesn't have a wound. Did she, like, twist her ankle or something? When she's pushing the gate door closed yep. on the raptor and it bumps into it, that the force oh, of that, because okay. that raptor's got a way couple hundred pounds. 500 yeah. pounds. Oh, I'd say more than that. Okay. Well, we don't know. Uh, and I'm not even going to bother looking. Sure. Uh, so that's why. So, yeah, they run back. They're all in the enclosure. Grant can't hold the door closed because Raptors have figured out how to open the doors. We skip the, the kitchen scene. Well, wait, the that's kitchen a, wait, scene. That's a, there's a great moment. Um, Grant is talking to <laughs> Settler. He's like, you're sure there's only two uh, un- unaccounted for around the loose? And she says, unless they learn how to open doors. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> Cue uh, the Velociraptor popping the yeah, door yeah, open. Yeah. Real quick, the kitchen sure. scene. Oh, so good. Cinematically beautiful. Yep. But also cinematically a feat because they're mixing CGI with puppetry. Mm. And every surface in that thing is reflective. And you never see the camera. 
Yeah. Spielberg did such a good, and his cinematographer did. Or lights, right? Like, <laughs> or, or where the light sources yeah. are coming from. Yeah. I, I guess they say that, like, if you saw a behind or the other side of the camera, it was a just wall. all these lights and very specific things. And then, uh, curtains to block them from being, uh, from hitting reflections on That's things. It's, they said it was a nightmare to light. Uh, so, but it's one of the best scenes in the movie. You know, I have no knowledge other than like as an audience member who loves movies and stuff that, you know, I kind of absorb through pop culture. Mm-hmm. Every time I see like the, to your point, like looking at the cameras instead of looking at the set, um, that just seems like, I, I, I don't think I or many people realize the extent to which figuring out how to light shit takes forever, right? Like, it, it, that's sure. a whole craft unto itself. And and not only lighting shit, like, that's obviously a set. The whole Jeep or the whole um, Explorer coming down is a set. But then there is actual real shots in this movie that are shot in Hawaii yep. that have to be lit a certain way to make, you know, you're not, you're not whiting. I mean, it's been happening all night with oh, you. Oh, sure. Cause I've got this. Little, Every time you go to get your beer, yeah. you go, when you turn around, it's like a nuclear explosion. Went off. Yeah. yeah. I, I have um, not figured out yet how to get a good light source in here that doesn't wash you're out. in the wrong. It's gotta be, it's gotta be on this yeah. side of you. Yeah, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to get a move it along, guys. She's running away from the raptor. Grant and Ellie are reunited, and I really love Laura Dern's Run. Yeah. And she doesn't have the energy to say it out loud to him, but she knows she has to let him know there's a raptor behind me. <laughs> so the only thing I don't like in that moment, she like gets to Grant and then they embrace. He's, yeah. like, happy because she's back. She seems to, like, be fine with the embrace. Like, mm-hmm. why is she, like, not, like, pushing him away? Like, I thought that was inconsistent, to be honest with you. Yes, I 100% agree. They're back in the compound. Grant and Sattler are trying to hold the door. The gun, unfortunately, is out of reach for them. How are they going to get the systems back on? Oh, by the way, Lex. Lex is a hacker. <laughs> That's right. It's a human system. I know this. Is that a real system? Uh... Unix is a operating system. It's is that that's like pre Linux. Yeah, but I don't think it looks like it does. No, no, well, listen, th- this is very much in the vein of there's people whose jobs are to render computer systems into something visually for entertainment. Right. Swordfish, I think of oh, right. Like God. all of the. Anytime you see a hacker right engaging with a system. That that is a Swordfish. that is a piece of art yeah. to convey something. The uh, the whole files the whole file structure that she's navigating like these it's like little, a fucking like, video game table yeah exactly exactly yep hundred percent so she finally gets it on the door is locked they're safe that way she turns the phone system back on calls uh, Hammond while that's all happening the, the Velociraptor is like oh. Oh, there's glass here. I'm really strong. Boom! Crashes yeah. through. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Like that's almost, that's got to be the thought process. Like, damn it, the door's locked. Oh, shit, a window. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. That's Crashes right. through. He shoots it. Gun jams. They climb up a vent. There's a really cool shot that, again, lost to standard definition. All the things that are reflecting on the Velociraptor mm-hmm. is DNA coding. 
It's Gattaca. Oh, no kidding. It's so fucking cool. Oh, um, very cool thing about this stunt where Lex falls through one of the um, like grates. Yep. Yeah. If you notice, she looks up. Yeah. That's obviously not that actor. That is a stunt woman who accidentally looked up. Instead huh. of reshooting it, they just digitally mapped. They put her in the exact same position. No kidding. So the lighting was the same and swapped her face onto oh, it. Oh, that's am- in 93. Uh, that's incredible. In 90, and it and it happens so quick and it is so seamless. Huh. If I didn't know that, I wouldn't know that. You know, that's kind of action sequence at the end with them coming mm-hmm. out of the vent down into the main chamber you know, on the, the dinosaur skeleton. Uh-huh. Visually, it's I, I don't know what it is about that. I mean, the the whole trying to get out of the tree before the Jeep falls. Like, there's there's other <sighs> stuff that are similarly very well designed and executed, but something about the whole look of almost like the jungle gym, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, kind of spilling out of the vent down across the bones. And it, it, it's fun. Even when the skeleton's spinning, it doesn't seem like cheesy or anything. It, it's, no, it, it, it seems genuinely so terrifying. Well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think part of it is because up until this point, you know, Dilophosaurus was only three feet tall, you know, and never came in contact with our heroes. Yep. Tyrannosaurus... Seems to get disinterested as the sure. Jeep is driving away. So she's just kind of like, oh, I just need to eat. It almost seems personal with the Velociraptors. Yeah. I think that's what makes the scene so tense. Like the Velociraptors like, we're going to eat you for no other reason than we can eat you. This is the closest point, I think, to where the dinosaurs are the villains. Yep. Because it does seem personal. It does seem like they are personally coming after Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, our protagonists. Like, if the Velociraptors are so smart, when they jump down on that thing, they should have been like, oh, this is, this d- tactically does not make sense for us to jump on this thing, too. We don't know how, sh- how secure this is. Like, they become stupid for a second. And so everyone falls to the ground. Ellie and Grant have the kids behind them. They're about to get eaten by a Velociraptor. And Mama T Rex comes in, oh. who apparently engaged stealth mode in this video game because how the fuck did they not hear her yeah well they were a little distracted right like but it shook water (laughs) she's a big girl sure Sure. yeah (laughs) again it's one of those things that scientifically doesn't work i don't give a shit that is for me it's so emotionally satisfying that i'm willing to overlook any questions and i'm not I don't spend any time thinking about it because it is so incredibly emotionally satisfying when the T-Rex bursts in Mm -hmm. and saves the day. If that's not one of the great movie payoffs of all time. But what's so great about it is she doesn't just save the day. She's, she doesn't even realize she's doing it. Oh, sure. She's like, she's being true to herself. Yeah. 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 She's just after those velociraptors. Yeah. She's not like offering a, you know, a talent of friendship to uh, mm-hmm. the humans. It's just, yeah. The cool thing is, so the T-Rex survives, even though she's two against one. And that second Velociraptor that after the first one gets killed, yep. the yell it lets out is like, bitch, I'm going to cut you. <laughs> that's right, that's it's right. totally the feel of it. And she does. Spoiler, the it's second- not. Well, uh, yeah, it's it, but it'll when cut, she but cl- starts climbing, she's yeah. using her talents to climb. Sure. And again, in 4K, you can see these giant gashes that are ending up on sure. the T Rex sure. to the point where you're like, oh, does the T Rex survive this shit? Well, dear listeners, the T Rex <laughs> does survive this shit. If you've seen Jurassic World, 
that's the same T-Rex. Yeah. Not only in the movie, but the director and the writer have come out and said, nope, same T-Rex, same T-Rex we see at the end of Fallen Kingdom. She has survived all these movies. How great is, like, the symbolism of after the T-Rex has killed the second... So the first Velociraptor is is food in the second. The second one kind of smartly jumps on the T-Rex just behind the head where it's hard for it to reach it, and it's doing some damage until the T-Rex is able to get a hold of it, and then it's game Mm -hmm. over. You said earlier, uh, Spielberg loves symbolism. How great is that symbolism as the T-Rex trumpets its victory with its roar, and the -hmm. the Jurassic Park banner kind of comes dislodged and falls, right? Oh, no, it's not the Jurassic Park banner. It says... When dinosaurs ruled the earth. Oh, I misremembered. Which that. is even better. I'm like, yeah. oh, that's great. Because, yeah. spoiler for uh, four movies from now, dinosaurs are going to rule the earth. Yeah. <laughs> See, We're pretty much fucked. <laughs> now, now, so we said this earlier. Uh, this, I, I, I love this movie. I could have cared less about two and three, but with Jurassic World, I really. For me, that had the magic of the first one. I'm really to a and, point. I mean, it, it it's not going to recapture, but it's the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World are the closest to each other than any of the rest of them. And, and I mean, and here's where we definitely disagree. I love uh, what's after Jurassic World. Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom. Uh, I love. I loved Fallen Kingdom too. No. Right? Oh wait! In case you didn't hear what I said, <laughs> how dare you? How fucking, fucking dare you? It's just, uh, <laughs> to stop, stop making hybrid dinosaurs. I don't think we're going to get that in Dominion. I think it's just going to be dinosaurs are in the real world they with us, loose. and we're yeah. all fucked. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm. Uh, so I so. Uh, everyone runs out to the Jeep that um, Hammond has got, yep. and they've got Malcolm in the back. <laughs> Doctor, uh, Mr. Grant, or no, uh, Mr. Hammond, after close consideration, I've decided not to endorse your <laughs> So have I. <laughs> that's right. And that's the moment. That's the moment where Hammond's like, I've made a huge mistake. I've made, I made a tiny, huge mistake. <laughs> that's right. So they get to a helicopter, and... Uh, they float up into the sky because that's what helicopters do. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. They're on their way out. Lex and Tim are asleep on Grant. Ellie and Grant have a nice moment. So you you know they're going to be okay. They're going to get married and have kids. Wow. <laughs> Except, oh, that's such a sad moment in three when you realize they aren't together. And you're like, wait, no. Mm. The last shot of the movie as they're flying away, they look out the window, and what's flying out in the window? Pelicans. Mm. And the helicopter flies into the sunset, and we get directed by Steven Spielberg and movie. That was a fucking masterpiece of a movie. Uh, yeah, so happy with your choice. It really, really. Oh, uh, God damn it! Yeah, so you, good. You picked some great ones. Um, they're really, well, really, really good. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. 
Uh, uh, the Just keep that in mind for your pick in a couple of minutes. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> yeah, I'm also going to pick a great one. Um, but oh, <laughs> you know the this is a movie. So uh, obviously, I, I don't turn the channel, but I don't often seek it out, right? Because I've seen it and I've seen it many times. This mm-hmm. is the first time in a long time that I've deliberately sat down to watch it start to finish. I I got to be honest with you. I was even pleasantly surprised at how how good it holds up on the close careful rewatch almost 30 years later almost uh 30 years next, next year next year yeah so when it comes out next year and i'm sure they'll do an anniversary sure you know i'm going to the theater uh, to see this i shit. will be right there with you yeah because and, and i'll try and try and get the kids to come with it because so fucking good I, I don't understand that they don't that they won't watch this because this is a great movie. I get why the bean doesn't. She doesn't really like violence that much, though. Sure. We are uh, going through. Uh, you guys never watched Raising Dion, did you? On Netflix? No. Oh, it's so good. Or at least definitely. I did. I'm not sure if anyone else did. It and it's it's like Stranger Things light. Oh, it's it's definitely more family friendly than oh, than Stranger actually, Things. Jack is. might have watched that. Oh, it's so fucking good. Don't look too much because there's spoilers galore. Yeah. I, you know what? I, actually, now that you say that, I think he did. I think he did watch it. Well, yes, I he strongly, did watch it. Okay. I highly recommend it for the rest of you. You will okay. very much enjoy it. Oh, cool. Season two just dropped, so that's what we've been got watching. It, got it. Okay. Taking a break from community, and we're doing this. Nice. To the point where <laughs> the bean... Uh, I was about 20 minutes to the end of this movie, so about 40 minutes were recorded. So I want it nice and fresh in my mind. And she kind of comes to me and goes, Dad, can we watch an episode of Raising Dion when you're done? I'm like, so about that. <laughs> I don't think you were paying attention earlier when we were planning out the day because uh, I'm recording <laughs> in about 40 minutes. She goes, well, can we watch one without you? I said, one. <laughs> So when we're done here, I'm going to go watch that episode to get caught up. Nice. Nice. Okay. So like we do with all of our movies. Yes, yes, yes. We got some questions. So Todd, who was your favorite character? I want to point out. Yep. Dinosaurs are in play. Okay. Oh, I was, well, first of all, that, that. That's not for me. I'm just saying sure, sure. you want to pick a dinosaur guard. Well, ahead. let me say this. Uh, so this is a masterpiece movie. I, I think for mm-hmm. all of our good questions, I, I'm not going to disagree with anyone. So I think any direction you sure. point, you got good stuff to look at. Yeah, that's the other reason why I was like, yeah, dinosaurs are on play. Because if you want to say that, you know, the velociraptors are your favorite character, go fucking go right, right ahead. ahead. <laughs> so that said, um, I think that... Yeah, this is not a you know one person carrying the movie. I think all the characters are interesting and they're doing great stuff. Yeah. With that said, um, in terms of the the most traditional kind of hero role, like Doctor Grant, right? Um, and maybe now even as an older man with you know three boys. The the way in which he softens, especially knowing mm-hmm. where he starts from, and the the care with which he um, tends to the kids is just really really sweet for me. So I think for me it's Doctor Grant. How about you? Oh man, yeah, definitely he's on the list. I mean, I just want to hand out honorable mentions to sure. so many characters, but for me it's Sattler. 
Oh yeah. I love I love a I love a female character. Mm-hmm. And this only goes for female, and I'm trying not to sound sexist here. Yep. This is not one of those situations where it's not to not to sound sexist, racist, whatever. Sure. And usually whatever comes next is sexist, racist, whatever. Um, but I do love especially female characters that don't start necessarily. I mean, she's a strong character from the very beginning. Sure. Right down to the where one thing we missed was Malcolm's a God creates dinosaur, God kills dinosaur, <laughs> God creates man, man creates dinosaur, man kills God. And her response, no, then, dinosaurs, then dinos- oh, yeah, 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 she says yeah. dinosaurs eat man, woman inherits the earth. Yeah, <laughs> and I love Grant's. Grant's face of that is the woman I am in love with, uh-huh. and and Malcolm's I'm terrified and turned on all at the same time. Yep, but she starts out, you know, <laughs> a strong, confident woman. But by the end of this movie, she is a badass motherfucker, yes. and I love it. Yes, love it so much when that happens. Yep, because sadly in Hollywood, it happens few and far between. Yep, agree, agree. It shouldn't matter what's between your legs. You should be able to be a badass motherfucker no matter what. Agree. Uh, so, Casey, good luck with this one. What's the best scene? So, I'm going to give it to two. I'm going to okay. give it to best action scene and best acted scene. Okay. Best action scene is obviously the T-Rex. Yep. Um, a T-Rex attack to the point where oh, in Jurassic, The T-Rex attack... In, the the first time, uh, the first time yeah, in the yep. rain, yep. To the point where they literally tried to up it in the Lost World with the uh, with the balls, with the balls. The that's, rolling. That's, that's that's Jurassic Kingdom. That's Jurassic World. Oh, you, in, oh, you just said World. The Lost World. Oh, the lo- sorry, my bad. The my Lost bad. World colon Jurassic Park. Got it. Got it. Sorry. Because why not? Why call it Jurassic Park to the Lost Kingdom <laughs> sure. or the Lost World? Let's just fuck with people. <laughs> um, so in the Lost World, it's the two T Rexes was that uh, are after the their baby. Yep, and they knock the um, the extended RV off the cliff, mm. and it's intense and it's got some great moments in it, but it does not beat the scene. Yeah. The scene might be the pinnacle of the franchise. Uh, so I just, uh, and the best acted scene. Yep. Is obviously the Stat- Sattler and Hammond scene. It's just like, I mean, I gushed over it, so of course it is. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it's uh, so good. M- minor point of uh, point of order, just to be you know ped- pedantically correct. You referred to oh. the the second movie as the wa- the Lost World colon Jurassic Park. I think that does was, it not have a colon. No, I think it's uh, the Lost World Jurassic Park, based on the novel Push by Sapphire. <laughs> So just to be, I just want to be, you know, oh. pedantically correct there. Yes. Please, please cut me out, uh, cutting you off, because that was a beautiful joke, and I should <laughs> not have stepped on that, it. That's all right. That's all right. No, that's perfect the way it was. It's organic, like oh, a fern. That was so funny. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Um, um, ooh, uh, what about you? What's your, yeah. what's your favorite scene? So first of all, I, so I, I think, you know, I think you stack up the, the T-Rex reveal in that attack as the all, t- you know, an all-time great scary reveal so mm-hmm. sure of course um the the scene with Sattler and hammond of course um i mean look the problem is honestly you could do from uh amblem entertainment yeah. 
to directed yeah. by Steven yeah. Spielberg. I mean, any scene in there? Yes. Even like the even like all the little things. I love. I love the carefully, like they're being professional and polite, but the very well masked fencing between Doctor Malcolm and Doctor Wu in the beginning, when Doctor Malcolm's yeah. like. You did what? Like the arrogance mm-hmm. and Dr. Wu in full arrogance, right? Is like, uh-huh. we know what we're doing. Like, again, you could even that scene. So, um, uh, the, the actor, oh, I'm embarrassed. The actor BD Wong, BD Wong, yeah, holy cow, who's a phenomenal actor. Like, he's not, he's in it for what, two minutes? It's yeah, that this one, is one of his first That's things. it. Yeah, but and then after this, he goes on to sure law he'll and order? Come, he'll come back. But no, no, he goes on to Law and Order after this, right? He's oh, the, I, oh, I like have no main, idea. But oh. like, it's a little tiny moment. But the there's this wonderful acting. So I, I'm scratching my head. I gotta be honest with you. To your point, I'm pointing to the movie. Any point you can plop into it is fucking brilliant. Spielberg sure. deserves his place. As one of the all-time greatest directors. I mean, it's so clear. Do you know what came out the same year as this? That was also directed by Steven Spielberg? Schindler's List? Fuck yeah. 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 Time, just just take that in. Sure. That he did this and Schindler's List in the same year, and they are both masterpieces for completely different reasons. Yeah. But so when did Schindler's fuck. so this filmed in 92 released in 93 Schindler's list filmed in 93 fil- released in 93 Okay got it so, wow holy cow boy dude takes Do you know what he do you know what he would do between takes uh to cheer himself up No He would call Robin Williams and have him tell him jokes Oh Man. Tell me that's not the most amazing Fucking thing beautiful. you've ever heard Had they um I'm going to feel so it happened yeah No 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 Oh, Hook. Oh, yeah. I was like, have they worked hook. together? Of course. Hook. Yep. Yeah, Hook. Okay. Hook had happened in 91. Got it. 90 or 91. Oh, God. R.I.P. All right. Okay. So, yeah. uh, you know, we've gushed over this, and I'm pretty sure I know the the answer to this. Is there anything you would cut? To your point, it's a long movie. It's over two hours with the credits. There is nothing I would cut. I mean, no. it takes its time and places, but... Never feels like uh, never drags. Yeah, yeah, yeah nothing. Don't the, fuck with this to movie. the point where there's there's so many action sequences that were storyboarded that didn't happen. Like there's a whole raft down a river where the T Rex is chasing the kids and Malcolm or uh, oh, Grant. Uh, Grant that's in the book. No shit. That j- they just didn't have time for. Yeah, there's wow. tons more dinosaur in the book yeah. and some really fucked up things. Like one point they get away from the raptors by throwing a baby. Raptor at them, and the, they stop to eat the baby, and you're <laughs> oh, like, "What the fuck? <laughs> that's dark." Wow, that's wild. That's wild. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, so, oh wait, oh, hey, uh, just point of order. Uh, Schindler's List was filmed before he did Jurassic Park. Oh, because they probably had to go through and and color saturate it to black and white, uh, but for those couple. I'm moments. looking at the Wikipedia article for Jurassic Park in post production. Uh, after completing Hook, Spielberg wanted... To, oh, wait, wait. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. 
After completing Hook, so you were right. After completing Hook, Spielberg wanted to film Schindler's List. Sid Sheinberg, president of Music Corporation of America, which was Universal Pictures' parent company at the time, gave the green light to Schindler's List on the condition that Spielberg made Jurassic Park first. So he Mm -hmm. did this one in order to make Schindler's List and still fucking crushes it. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Todd, what's the IMDb score for this bad boy? Uh, well, I'm right with you. Nothing gets cut. Okay. But how about Casey? Who is the actor having the most fun? Why do I not have that on my list? I, because your list sucks. Apparently. <laughs> oh, that's right. That yeah. was you. We've gone on a tangent yeah. and then, uh, who was the actor having the most fun? It is the, uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. No, I'm kidding. Damn it. I was hoping I was going to get the spit take from you because I knew you were drinking. Nice. No, it's, um, oh, God, it's Jeff Goldblum. It's got to be Jeff Goldblum. How could it be yeah. anyone else? Yeah. Just exuding uh, that sexuality. Anytime Jeff Goldblum shows up on this podcast, he's winning this award. <laughs> You're right. Because <laughs> yeah. he looks like he's having he, a blast in everything he's he is doing. He's winning life. Yes, 100%. <sighs> Do you guys watch uh, The World According to Jeff Goldblum? Uh, we haven't. And just because we uh, have, let me, have not Let me had rephrase that. Why are you not yeah, watching the yeah. world according to you? Yeah, I, I, <laughs> it's so fucking delightful. I don't disagree. Just have not uh, done that yet. So, uh, sure. All right. So, Casey. Okay. Now it's the Iron Man. Yes, yes, yes. So, as we said at the beginning of the podcast, this movie is rated an 8.1 out of 10. It's a 10. It's, it's a, a fucking, fucking 10. 10. There's, there <laughs> this is, movie is nothing. There's nothing. There to, are. There are things that are wrong with this movie, but guess what? The, I don't give a shit. It's still a this 10. This is not a science documentary. This is a movie, yeah. and it's a 10. <sighs> it's yeah. so fucking good. Yeah. Okay, so Dad's Breakdown, I think we've covered yeah, it. Yeah, of course. We'd like our if kids to, to, watch to watch this. Watch but yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Trick them Nothing if super. Uh, the most violent thing that happens in this movie is uh, Gennaro's death. Yeah, sure. Everything else and is obscured by something, or we see Mr. Arnold. In, you know, Mr. Arnold's oh, we arm. See his arm. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, yeah. It's, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Nedry's death in the book a lot more violent. Really, the, Velocir- uh, the uh, Dilophosaurus sprays him. Yep, and then disembowels him. Oh. And I believe in the book it is described that Nedry sees his own entrails on the ground. And the Lassosaurus starts eating them, if I remember correctly. I'm like, what the uh, fuck? The, you know, the one thing I remember from the book that is not in the movie, and I can understand why, um, and again, it fits with that whole, there's a report of a worker who had these bite crush injuries, mm-hmm. right? Um, isn't there also a baby that is killed in its crib by these small chicken-sized dinosaurs? Yes, and it's used in the Lost World. Yeah, Jurassic yeah, but Park. it's in the but it's that in the original book, yeah. and it that's a horrifying uh, sequence. It's a horrifying scene in in Jurassic World, oh. and like <laughs> I love Spielberg, obviously, sure. but he totally uh, did he uh, direct the out. sequels? Yeah, he only directed the second one, mm. and then handpicked Joe Johnston for three. Got it, got it. Okay, but in the second one. They have a very quick line of like the girl will survive. <laughs> like, oh, you know, she's dying. Di- Did you see the amount of dinosaurs are around Yikes. her? She's fucking dead. She's dead. <laughs> Yikes. Oh, oh, okay. So uh my turn. Oh, hey. Yeah. Todd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you got for us there, my friend? So um these are movies that mean a lot to us. So spoiler, oh, I'm just... not picking a 10-point movie, right? Um, however, I am picking a movie that in the same way that 
This was on a VHS played many, many times in your house. This is a oh, movie no. that played in my time in my house many, many times, not just for me, but for my brothers as well. Oh God. Now, I'm a big oh. fantasy nerd. I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons oh. since uh fifth grade. So uh cl- you know, in the uh four decades mark here at this point. Um and you know, long before Lord of the Rings was a mega smash critical and commercial success, you know, we really oh, no. had to make do with the movies oh. that we watched. Are we watching Excalibur? We're not, but that oh, would but that would have been a great fucking movie. Oh. John Borman's Excalibur. That well, look, that was in that was in consideration. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's I just right. I was so scared. So, um, my first pick was Secret of Nim. Came out in '81. I was mm-hmm. 10 years old. My mm-hmm. second pick is a movie that came out only one year later in 1982. Oh but at this point, now I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons and I'm trying to consume every bit of fantasy entertainment that I can. So, an original, uh, the movie that spawned a number, a number of increasingly worse sequels. We will be watching the 1982 sword and sorcery hit, The Beastmaster. Oh, you fucker. (laughs) How do you not love this movie? Are you kidding me? That's your real reaction. Is that your real reaction? That's my real reaction. I do not like Beastmaster. What? So uh, if you want that question answered, Todd, just wait till next Patreon episode. There you go. So let's watch that trailer. It was foretold by witches. It was conceived through sorcery, and it was to be destroyed by all that is evil. But the courage of one mortal saved it. And so, into an age of darkness, in a time of mysticism, sacrifice, and plunder, there came the only light, the Beastmaster. Born with the strength of a black tiger, the courage of an eagle. The power that made him more than any hero. More than any lover. He was lord and master over all beasts. He was the beast master. Behold the wonder, the horror, the fantasy, the challenge of the one warrior they call the Beastmaster. Mark Singer is Dar, Tanya Roberts is Carrie, Rip Torn is Mayak, John Amos is Seth. Together they take us on a fascinating journey back into unexplored times. Conquer your fears. Face the unknown. And discover the incredible link between man, animal, and all that is phantasmagorical. In the world of dungeons, dragons, and Dar. The Beastmaster. The epic adventure of a new kind of hero. Oh boy, he has an eagle. <laughs> you see? 
Dog. You see, he's cool because he's got an eagle that follows him around. Oh, his name's Eagly. Wait, no, that's our. That's, <laughs> oh, uh, that's Peacemaker. Fucking dare you! Oh, uh, you're telling me Peacemaker's not better than Beastmaster? Well, listen, uh, listen. the number one stream show on HBO Max right now. You're gonna you're gonna stand here and say that it's. Listen, that wasn't it. And maybe the. Uh, I'm sorry. Not even. Excuse me. The number one streamed show. It's not even on Listen, HBO Max. That was not available to me when I was 11 years old, or else I'm I would have loved it then, as I love it now. But at 11, Beastmaster was available to me. Beastmaster. <laughs> All right. Now, do you want to take a guess at the IMDb rating for this movie? Uh, seven. Point three. Uh, 6.2. And mm. in our next episode, we'll take a look at uh, how we think that reflects the quality of this mo- movie. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. Oh, okay. So that'll be for next time on Patreon. Sure will. And I think uh, we don't need to do our socials. Nah. If you're here on Patreon, and if when we get to the main feed, if you've made it this far into us removing these from the paywall, you know where to find us. Exactly. Come on. Um, if you don't, go to the liner notes. They're there, too. That's right. Uh, so music for the podcast comes to us from two places. Our theme song is Take a Chance by Kevin McLeod. You can find his music at incompetech.com. Our beer music is Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Find his music at silvermansound.com. So that'll do it for the Superpod HeroCast for this week. For Todd Panic, I'm Casey Ryan. For Casey Ryan, I'm Todd Panic. And I've been your moderator, Dan Ryan. Be, Be heroic. heroic. Right. Um, Grant, you'll never, you'll never find Grant in the field. Mm-hmm. He's Grant's like me. He's a digger. He's, he's a digger. And of course, yeah. or, or he not? Uh, yeah, I totally fucked that up. Not you'll never find him in the field. You'll you'll never or or something I like. Will, I I I don't worry. I'll drop it in. Thank you. Fuck, <laughs> I'm fucking the struggle bus today. Okay. Gosh, it's almost like you're up until 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, you're not fucking kidding. Grant grabs a... um... Sorry, someone just dropped some dishes. I hope everybody's okay. Uh, Grant... Okay. Okay.